This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I've just lost the Dominican lady. She was really nice and bought me a churro. You have a metal arm? That is awesome. You're a criminal. I'm a criminal. Why would I tell him about the churro? Mr. Stark, it smells like a new car in here. Oh, you made up names. Um, I'm Spider-Man then. I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. Hey, everyone. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. The show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, and we are currently about to assemble our last piece of this puzzle so far when we talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. And with me, I have assembled a fantastic... Uh, flock of fartsicles. I don't know. I didn't think of one. Uh, I've oh, got... <laughs> I thought you were going to the field trip angle and nope, you called us fartsicles. <laughs> I, I'm out. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, I've got Peaches here. I've got Chris here. I've got Robbie here. What's going on, fellas? Weirdly, not the first time I've been called a fartsicle, so that was... Uh, well, yeah, but that. <laughs> is it the first time? <laughs> I was going to say, it's, is it the first time you've been called a fartsicle since the sixth grade? Or Yeah, uh, that's the grade I was thinking of, actually. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> well, welcome back to the show, guys, and welcome back to the show, listeners. We're excited to be back doing our thing. We're talking all about Spider-Man Far From Home today, and thank you once again, everybody, for listening to our show. We really appreciate everybody giving us your ear holes for 90-plus minutes every week. We appreciate you. Um, but without further ado, let's just jump into it like Philip DeFranco. Is that a reference you guys know? No. Explain. He's a YouTuber. He's been a YouTuber since like YouTube was born. Like since YouTube exited the womb, he's been a YouTuber. Okay. He does like news videos every week and he always starts oh. his videos by going, let's just jump into it. Oh. But now that I've explained it, it becomes a lot less. Uh, it's a catchphrase. Yes. Oh. I only know who that is because of a streamer who constantly references Philip DeFranco by saying, let's get into it. Let's just jump into it. ABC D. Eduardo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Famous streamer, ABC D. Eduardo. Spider-Man Far From Home begins <laughs> 2024 in Ixtenco, Mexico. S.H.I.E.L.D. director Nick Fury and Agent Maria Hill arrive in a ruined town surveying the devastation of a cyclone that locals say had a face. As Fury and Hill discuss the potential of a new world-threatening event, an elaborately dressed man with a fishbowl for a, a helmet appears, tells the two spies they don't want any part of this, then fights a giant sandman that comes from the ground. Which not bubbles, not Sandman. Sandman's someone else. The wording was intentional. An Earthman, <laughs> an Earthbender. You know, and it's funny because you see the beginning of this movie, and this little section right here, you're like, oh, so you know, we're we're it's picking up the same tone as the end of Endgame. Like we're still in this sort of serious phase, and then it immediately cuts to. <laughs> the Whitney Houston version of I Will Always Love You um, playing over the Marvel Studios logo. And then it transitions into a memorial video honoring the fallen Avengers who saved the world 
played in front of a morning broadcast at the high school of Peter Parker. And it's so, this is so well done because it's great because they had to intentionally shoot it poorly, right? Like it had to be Mm -hmm. intentional. Like all of these people are so talented. They're all so talented in their craft. They know exactly what things are supposed to look like well. So it must have been a real challenge for them to be like, all right, how can we make this look as awful as possible? How do we make it look like we would have made in high school? And I have to shout out my favorite gag, um, which Angela is the one that pointed this one out to me. The fact that when they show the candle, it has the Getty Images watermark on it. Yes, it sure does. <laughs> it does. Oh, so good. I- I want to think that, like, one of the editors um, was, like, interested in editing in middle school or high school and just pulled up a past project. He's like, what did I do in a yeah. in my very first film? And had the, like, square cutout fade into the next image and then, like, you know, the, the like, um, the circular fade to, like, like the um, thing that Porky, Pig's, Porky Pig stands in. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly. Yes, no, I do. I wanted to say hole of some sort, but I just I refrained because I didn't know what kind of hole I wanted to describe. <laughs> you must be careful. Oh, please be careful with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the broadcast reveals the effects of what is being called the blip. The half of society that was snapped away by Thanos returned to their original place while the other half of society aged five years around them. I think this continues the question of all of those people that were on planes, did they suddenly show up right back in the air with no plane and then just... My theory yeah. is that when Hulk brought everyone back, he accounted for that. You think so? Yeah, I think he's smart enough to have done that. Otherwise, think, you know, like, oh my gosh, you're back, and then someone falls right by your window. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I also tend to think that that's how he did it too. Is that yeah. people came back like, it's like grounded. let me bring them back safely is probably yeah. you know probably how he focuses energy. Sure. Yeah, I think, I think he's you know that, that's that's how we're getting our no prize for today at least. Robbie, what do you think about how this movie explains like the blip and all the stuff surrounding it? Well, I, I think it was a good choice, and I'm really happy someone did that. One of the the fact that this is a serial um, serial series of films. Um, I didn't mean to say both of those words. I just realized they weren't going to go very well together. Um, <laughs> allows you this opportunity to do what a lot of film franchises don't get to do, which is explore you know kind of the 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 street level view of how did your massive event impacts you know life and spider-man is the perfect person to use for that because even though spider-man actually can punch above his weight he's typically you know the street level hero is um and that's marvel's direct term for him and so he's the perfect opportunity for like okay how did the blip impact you know life on earth uh, or you know how did thanos cause you know society to change and you know spider-man who half of the spider-man story is his real life not his not just his life in a mask is the right area to do that and especially i think high school is a very interesting setting for okay what happened when half of society just suddenly reappeared like nothing um and and i don't necessarily have a lot to say about it i'm just glad they took a moment to show what i think a lot of franchises would just move on from you know we had this monumental and bizarre thing that changed you know life as we know it and a lot of times we 
films just kind of move on from that. You know, it happened and we moved on. We don't need to explore, like, how does this look to Joe Schmo in high school? And they did that here in the MCU through this movie. And I'm just happy they took that moment. I, I really, really, really love the shot of the band members from five years ago reappearing in the middle of a basketball game mm-hmm. um, in the gym. Uh, I love discussing how, um, you know, ages change. My little brother is now my older brother, stuff like that. Um, oh, the gag I, with Flash on the, the airplane. Gag with Flash, although, although He's I not really, really wonder, 21. <laughs> although I really wonder, like, do you have to register as I was blipped and thus five years of my life don't count? Or would he actually be 21? I don't... I, 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 yeah, I, it's like, like how do they account for that on driver's licenses right, exactly, now? Exactly. It's like date of birth, 1996, with a little star. It says, I was born. society I was is probably going to protest, you know, being treated <laughs> under the rightful age they should be treated. Literally yeah. half. It's so, so I question whether Flash would actually not be allowed to drink. But um, I just thought it was interesting. I, I don't have poignant thoughts on it i'd love if you guys have anything to add but it, it was just really cool seeing instead of just moving on from the snap spending some time and it's not even what the movie was about but they definitely used the setting to look at okay what happened when people came back well and as this show is a retrospective it makes me think about the beginning of the mcu in general right we've talked a lot about you know the way that they introduced audiences to something like iron man and sort of concessions they had to make in regards to the character or in the way they portrayed the character. And that's something that superhero movies have done a lot of, right? Some superhero movies, especially prior to the MCU, did a lot of concessions to move away from their source material to sort of, in their eyes or in their mind, appease larger audiences. And I think what they have found is actually they need to head the other direction, like steer into the skid like go to your demographic Mm -hmm. and if there's one thing that comic book fans want is they want all of those little details they want to see the bands coming up in the the gyms they want to see all of those little things because those are those little things that they find fun right it's fun to see Mm -hmm. all of the extra stuff not just the big bombastic stuff so i like that they're leaning into that more my uh my addition to this conversation is that I thought calling it the blip was weird. I agree with that. Specifically the word blip feels because what did, what did you guys all call it before far from home gave a name? I just called it the snap. snap. And if I didn't call it the snap, I said people got dusted. I was happy. Yes. I was happy. They moved away from the, um, the decimation because that's an incorrect word use of the word decimate, (laughs) but Maybe they figured that out after they incorrectly. I, I think that is what happened. <laughs> um, I guess they, they probably called it something before it, it, everyone came back because once everyone came back, then yeah, it was like there was this five year blip. Yeah, I, and I guess I get that because for the people that got dusted, got snapped, whatever we want to call it, got blipped. And we know that Peter has memories of it because he says to Tony. And Endgame goes, remember when it got all dusty? And then and then all of a sudden it was five years later. It's like, so what about the people that didn't have, have a Peter Tingle, didn't have a spider sense? Like, how sure. did they, uh, you know, were they even aware? I mean, clearly there was some awareness because we saw a lot of them, like, watching themselves go away. But then they seemed to come back in, in an instant. Well, I, I like to think that it was just some kid that came back and was like, whoa, I just blipped out there. And then he like makes a TikTok of it. And that TikTok goes <laughs> viral. And suddenly everybody's just calling it the blip. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I like that it sort of is just sort of this like thing some kid because that's exactly what would happen, that's, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, right. It's probably somebody like Flash. It would be somebody doing that on like, you know, TikTok or Twitter that would just like put out a thing that goes viral and suddenly that's just what everyone calls it. Yeah. Hashtag Flash Mob. <laughs> Peter and his friend Ned Leeds discuss an upcoming school trip to Venice, which Peter plans to use as an excuse to get close to his crush, MJ. At an event in the homeless support building, which I love that they have added this. I was about to interrupt and say that. I'm glad you said it. I love that they added in Aunt May helping like homeless people and running a shelter and stuff. Yeah. Into yeah, what, this. What's the name of the shelter from the comic and from the it's game? Feast. Um, Feast. It's right. Feast, uh, I thought yeah. that was basically Feast. Right. That was my note. Is that like one thing I wrote was that I wish they had just called it Feast instead of using the actual Salvation Army. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that also opens up the door for Mr. Negative. If they yes, right, yes. yes. Which isn't it amazing that the game really brought Mr. Negative to the like to the forefront? I'm not yeah. sure how great he was and how big he was in the comics. I'm gonna admit I didn't even like him in the comics. I didn't. The game him, made but... me love Mr. Negative. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. I have a pot figure of him back here. Yeah. He's yeah. very From cool. Plot's first, like first Spider-Man story, isn't he? I think so. Or very I, early on when they were like alternating when right. it was like slot will do a month and then whoever else. Yeah, this isn't even necessarily how, you know, your brain should work. But when, after I played the game, I went back and read a Mr. Negative story I had already read before mm-hmm. that I didn't like that much. And now I liked it because, oh, that's the guy from the game. It's well, yeah. <laughs> it didn't change, but my interpretation of it changed because I liked the game. Sure, yeah. Absolutely. It's funny how your brain associates things that way. Yeah. You can kind of go back to things that you didn't like before, and you're like, wait a second. Yeah, it's not so bad. <laughs> uh, Aunt May discusses how the blip created homelessness for some of those who were blipped. Spider-Man arrives as a guest speaker, and backstage it is established. May has accepted Peter's double life. That's one thing I wish we would have gotten more. I wanted to see more of that interaction uh, of May and Peter kind of hashing out the fact that he's Spider-Man. Um, but I get that you can't have everything right she's like, like have right into it yeah yes I mean, yeah. he helped save the universe so you kind of have to roll with it at that point yeah i feel like <laughs> there's a couple things that just kind of get glossed over there's that there's um peter liking peter being having a massive crush on mj is obvious and makes sense but it also feels like from one movie to the next it just goes zero to 60 and how right it just like, happens oh, oh bam now there's only mj you know he was literally dating someone else in the other movie it's not yeah. that that doesn't make sense it's that it just clearly a lot happened off screen before films and then it's right. just ignored nothing yeah. that doesn't make that doesn't work it's just it's like there was some actually important character development that we never see sure i think may is just like the younger hipper version so she's like ah that's cool yeah help the environment help the people help the planet they are right she is super hot Um, (laughs) (laughs) she is very attractive good for her um good for hogan good for good for happy right happy hogan arrives establishing peter pepper peter potts peter piper peter piper pepper potts establishing Pepper Potts as a majority benefactor to the organization and making Peter uncomfortable with Happy and May's comfort around one another. Happy lets Peter know Nick Fury is going to call him, but Peter er, refuses to take the call and leaves, sending Fury to voicemail to Hogan's horror. You don't send Fury to voicemail. (laughs) (laughs) People at the event begin asking Spider-Man questions about stepping up in the Avengers place and Peter leaves feeling overwhelmed. 
At home, Peter continues to ignore his phone. May throws a banana at Peter, and when he is unable to catch it, they discuss that his spider sense has not been working well lately. Uh, is Peter Tingle? Yes. Aunt May tries to convince Peter to take his spider suit, but Peter refuses, saying he needs a break. On the flight to Venice, no more for a couple weeks. (laughs) On the flight to Venice, Peter attempts to sit next to MJ. Peter instead ends up next to his teacher after Ned's plan to help backfires. Which, what a shame! Did you hear my wife pretended to blip? She went to live with some guy in the mountains. Yeah. We had a fake funeral and everything. Well, a funeral was real because we thought she was dead. I didn't write much about them to keep the notes something resembling concise, but the teachers are like quietly one of the best parts of this film. They're so funny. Oh, gosh. Speaking as a man of science, it's witchcraft. (laughs) (laughs) And then you see later that he's actually reading a history of witchcraft. On the bus, it's so oh, man. It's a great. The part where they start here. yelling each other at each other on the bridge, like <laughs> they're combining like the Power Rangers. I think you mean Voltron. <laughs> uh, MJ ends up next to Brad Davis, a non-blipped kid who has gone from middle schooler to competition for Parker. Ned ends up next to Betty Brent, and the two start dating over the course of the flight. Ned Leeds was Betty Brant's fiance in the 1960s Spider-Man comics, although the two were very different characters. Still a nice illusion. I like the illusion part. I know it's not the same illusion, but Mysterio, who? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in customs, Peter realizes Aunt May packed his Spider-Man costume in his suitcase. The high school group explores Venice. Peter buys a necklace to give to MJ, but as the two talk and before he can give her the necklace, the water in a nearby canal starts moving, then turns into a giant hydro man. I love the necklace and I love he, that he gets with the Black Dahlia because of murder. Because of the murder. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny to me how like, um, how, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, dude, I can't words today, which is bad because we're recording this podcast. Peter is such like uh, like a good and like nice person, and you would never think he would want anything to do with murder. And he's like just really crushing on this person who, you know, Black Dahlia like the murder, or you could control drones that kill people. <laughs> <laughs> like she's just into like the most morose things, and Peter's still into her. It's just it's such a weird clash, but I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, As a school group, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was excited to see, even though it wasn't really Hydro-Man, I was excited to see Hydro-Man, even if I only know that character from the right. Spider-Man ride at Universal. <laughs> I know also, that ride from the Spider-Man animated series, yeah. where oh, they clone, <laughs> they end up cloning MJ, and she turns into Hydro-Man mm-hmm. at one point, and then she turns into water in Peter's arms and dies. Yep. Oh my god! Yep. What? And it's wild. Yes. Yeah. Hydro man was a major part of the nineties animated mythos. He was because he was was like ex-boyfriend at one point. too, Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, The the origin that flash says that he read on Buzzfeed. That is his origin comics. Thank you for pointing that out. Yes. The origin for hydro man that flash reads off is the for. Okay. So so, I'm going to say something to both uh, peaches and Chris here. Um, but to your point, Chris, yes, the origin of Hydro-Man, and you called me out for Sandman a minute ago, but 
the thing the listener does not see is that all of these Sandman and Hydroman, I made them lowercase in the notes. So uh, the, okay. the wording is intentional, but it's the lowercase Hydroman and the lowercase Sandman. Yeah, lowercase Cyclone, lowercase. Right. But you know what the movie is doing anyway. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Peaches and I will be discussing that we did not know what the movie was doing, but I'm yeah. so jazzed <laughs> I'm about that. I can't wait yeah. to hear about that because <laughs> I remember talking about it before the movie. Right. Anyway, but this but... is part of it. I um, wrote so many notes, but yeah, that's absolutely something that I really like, and it's hilarious because the next thing in my notes, my personal notes, is um, Flash is reading off Hydro Man's from the 1960s comics. He is reading off Hydro Man's uh, origin story. Um, I think he even names him or I morris bench is it something like that something but it, yeah it's but he, he says a that. name and says he was a scuba diver and he swam yeah. too close to a generator yep, and that and is turned into water origin story it's so i thought that was a really 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 cool easter egg um and i have go ahead no you go first mine's well mine is, mine is actually a, a completely different topic so does it still have to do with hydro man no Okay, then I'm going to go first. Yes. Here's my, I just have a fun Hydro-Man fact. Speaking, going back to the Spider-Man ride, I, I looked up the voice cast of that earlier. And the voice of Hydro-Man in the Sp- Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man at Islands of Adventure is Bill Fagerbaki, mm-hmm. who you might know as Patrick Starr on SpongeBob Pants. <laughs> that in itself is not super interesting until you find out that the voice of Dr. Octopus is Roger Bumpus, the voice of Squidward. Oh, really? Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, so you have that's kind of funny. Yeah, uh, you've got the cephalopod connection. You've got the uh... <laughs> yeah. I just I don't know. I thought that was that was kind of fun. Anyway, Robbie. Yeah, yeah I'll you voice your character, but they better like have at least eight, four legs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> cephalopods only. Uh, Peach is something you said a moment ago about liking the dichotomy between. Um, MJ and Peter's personalities that's not probably as intentional as the Hydra-Man illusions but that's another one that I think at least hits to like the portion of the 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 era I grew up with the comic where when I was a kid one of the things they played on a lot was that MJ and Peter were very different personalities that got along very well Um, like Mary Jane there was a lot about how she was into grunge and heavy metal and and uh, way edgier than boring old Peter Parker, and yet they worked together. And these are clearly very different personalities and a very different MJ, but it's still the same sort of concept of, you know, these not quite opposites attracting, but different personalities working together. And so hmm. I, 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 I actually that. something I like. Yeah, one hundred percent of my Mary. Oh, <laughs> sorry, one hundred percent of my Mary Jane knowledge is from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man series so that's one of the most I just, unfortunate things you've ever said to me and i like those movies <laughs> i know i'm sorry i just i just expect that she is a like a, a nice um sadly physically abused but overall nice person that's oh, that's right. all i know about mary jane right so. you weren't on the podcast where i yelled about that that's right no i was not yeah <laughs> I wish I would have been. What a fun yeah, time. As much. Let's see if we're going to yell again. No. Uh, <laughs> no. We won't yell this time. Why not? You guys are I'm such gonna, fun killers. Quietly. Why? <laughs> you should be allowed to give your opinion, even if it is wrong. Um, <laughs> America. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. 
As the school group runs away, the Hydro Man begins wrecking Venice. Peter, without costume but with web shooters, sneaks off to try and stop him. Spider-Man is unable to do anything against the weather when the fishbowl-helmeted man appears and starts shooting green lasers at the water monster. Peter insists he can help because he's really strong and sticky. I love that. What a great distillation of his power set. (laughs) It's like one of those, you know, like the Twitter thing, like explain what you do for a living, but really poorly. Poorly, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Fishbowl tells Spidey to lead the Hydra Man away. Parker does so, but then has to stop a bell tower from falling on the school group. I don't know why I think this is funny. While Fishbowl Head destroys the Hydro Man to applause. Did you think about the time that he hit his head on the bell and then the time that he hit his head on the bell again? Yes. <laughs> that's that's how he the symbiote. Wait. Comedy. Yeah. Oh. Maybe that's a callback. <laughs> Maybe. Back in the hotel, the local news establishes the name Mysterio for the Fishbowl guy, hailing him as a new superhero. I, I have to uh, to disagree a little bit. Not disagree, but clar- I feel like it should be clarified that the news doesn't call him Mysterio. The um, the English speaking Americans think that they're yeah, calling him Mysterio. Yeah, yes, they're yeah. just saying mysterious man. Yes, yes. <laughs> and everyone goes, "Wow, Mysterio." <laughs> well, and I like that. I like that they actually a gave him his name. And uh-huh. B came up with honestly an entertaining reason for them him to have it. Like they didn't shy away from Mysterio, and we'll talk about a lot of ways they didn't shy away from Mysterio in this movie. But they yeah. didn't shy away from calling him Mysterio. But they also made it work for why he was being called Mysterio. It's, yeah, it was great. Is that actually Man of Mystery in Italian too? Uh, well, whatever phrase they say, it's like Il de, de Mysterio or something like that. If anyone, oh, yeah. everyone wants to keep going, Mis- I'm Mistero. It's very Man, close. So close to being perfect. Yeah. Uomo di Mistero. Yeah. It's it's close. I can see how an American could look at that though, or someone who doesn't speak anyone who doesn't speak Italian could look at that. I didn't mean this as like dumb Americans. I meant this as you don't speak the language, so you could look at that and go, Mysterio. They're they're calling him Mysterio. Okay. I meant so, that it was dumb Americans. Okay, well, I mean. <laughs> Back in the hotel, the, right, we already read that. MJ tells Peter she didn't mu- uh, see much of the fight, and the two make plans to see the Eiffel Tower the next day. Oh. Peter and Ned head back to their room, where Ned is tranquilized by a hiding Nick Fury. Fury implies he manipulated this trip to get Peter to Venice and tells him about elemental monsters like the Hydro Man have been laying waste to other cities. Fury tells Peter to suit up and come with him. On the boat ride over, Fury hands Peter a case with a pair of glasses, saying they were left to him by Tony Stark. Fury and Parker meet with S.H.I.E.L.D. agents in an underground base and introduce him to Mysterio. Mysterio, real name Quentin Beck, recognizes Peter and calls him out for doing great against the Hydro Man. Beck explains that he's from an alternate dimension, Earth-833, as opposed to the MCU's Earth-616 and that his Earth was destroyed by a series of elemental monsters. Peter is excited out there. Peter's excited to find out there is a multiverse. Yes, Chris, you had your finger up. I'm sorry. I'm going to well, actually, again, I'm so sorry. You did? I thought I was going to have to read it, but you go. (laughs) Okay. Oh, 
pushes up glasses. I don't wear glasses, <laughs> but actually, 616 is the comic book universe, the Marvel universe. The MCU is designated Earth 199999. And I have to ask, really? since, since my wife yeah. is near me listening to this, how did I react when they said 616 on screen? I freaked out. <laughs> I thought it was a cool touch. Like I, no, I thought it was real cool. Really cool to add and like just something for the the actual nerds to like geek out over because it's mm-hmm. like they had never talked about it before. Um, but I'm sure a lot of people speculated that at some point there would be a multiverse because it's just a very common thing that has happened mm-hmm. in the comics, and it's very well known that the Earth in the Marvel comics is six one six. So it's like. Yeah. It was something really cool to just throw in there and be like, oh, what are we doing with this? Yeah. And I, I feel I like it should be a listing for every Earth thinks that they are 616. <laughs> I'm like, oh, like, like in Futurama. I love that. Yeah. We're Universe 1. Well, fine. We're going to be Universe A. Well, I don't yeah. that How about the funny. Flying Mongooses? That's a cool right. team name. <laughs> I'm not even that excited necessarily about exploring the multiverse, which obviously because all of this ends up being a lie isn't necessarily mm-hmm. going to happen. I just Gasp. even just as an Easter egg for them to say six one six. The group explains to Peter the strongest elemental fire will be attacking Prague in forty eight hours, and they need his help to take it down. Peter declines, and the Shield group seemingly agrees. But the next day, the tour group is rerouted by their tour company to Prague on a large bus driven by a Shield agent, Dimitri. Can I can I say something about that scene between him and Fury? Sure. Real quick, because. It's very interesting finally seeing Peter Parker dealing with Nick Fury, or so we think. and <laughs> Because they're very different people. And he's like, I'm just a friendly neighborhood, neighborhood Spider-Man, a line that worked on Tony. And he goes, bitch, please, you went to space. Uh, which is such a great way to shut it down. But when he's like listing, what about Doctor Strange? Uh, uh, couldn't contact him. Captain Marvel, don't invoke her name. I and I remember <laughs> that line in particular stuck out to me the first time I watched it. I was like, "Oh, like we know we know he likes Captain Marvel. You know, obviously he has a, a very deep respect for her." But I was like, "Wow, that's that's kind of harsh." It's also the first time she's ever been called Captain Marvel in the movies. Um, but I think we talked about that in the Captain Marvel episode. Um, and it was one of those things that when we get to the post credit scene, you're like, "Ah, that's why he was so." so adamant about you know take your name take her name out of your mouth you know like it i was like i was like okay i can kind of justify it if it's nick fury i get it but finding out that it's actually talos is like oh that makes a lot of sense it's it's still kind of weird though because by the end of captain marvel they're pals like she saved uh the entire ship of refugees oh no see the way i interpreted it was that he's like like saying no you're like he's just trying to get a point across like how dare you compare yourself to her? She's so much better than you. Oh, okay. okay. That's so how I, I, I took it the opposite way. Like, we don't talk about her. No, 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 no. I just no. I was like, no, you're not good enough to talk about her. I, well, yeah, yeah, I was, Um, this is a weird tangent, but I've been reading, I just reread, I actually just finished all the uh, Percy Jackson books, which are really fun reads. Uh, if you ever want something Harry Potter-esque, but with like a different flavor, I recommend those books. They're really good, actually. Um, but in there, all of the kids are like sons of the different like Greek gods. And mm-hmm. they're very careful. They're like, don't say anything, anybody's name, because names have power. So like uh, he tries to say it's like same thing with like Voldemort. Like you don't say his name because it gives them power. Like it, it's a powerful mm-hmm. thing to use someone's name. So to me, it was like comparing her to like a god, like 
you don't invoke her name. You don't just say Captain Marvel whenever you want. That's Captain mm-hmm. Marvel. Like, who do you yeah. think you are? <laughs> Put some respect on it. Right, right, right. That's how I took it. Yeah. Okay, so in the notes, you said that Dimitri was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Do we actually know that? And I know that we've all seen the movie and we know how it unfolds. I was rewatching it this time confused about whose side Dimitri is on. Is Dimitri S.H.I.E.L.D.? Is Dimitri one of Mysterio's floonies? Because he's not in the toast, but you never really know what side he's playing for. Well, I, I always just assumed he was a merc that Fury hired, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I assumed because he was the bus driver, he was with Fury. I mean, we're going to get into this pretty deep later because Dimitri yeah. is important, but I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just curious because I I had wondered it during this, this watch. I just didn't know, like, huh, I wonder if he's technically a good guy or technically a bad guy. Yeah. Can't tell. Did you notice, by the way, all of the like all of Beck's crew in the background in Venice before the Hydroman attacks? No. Yeah, I yeah. in fact, I, including in fact, him, I in fact noticed. Um, oh, the Hydroman attack. No, I'm sorry. Never yeah. mind. I'm fast forwarding to f- future movie. I'll I'll talk about that. Oh, okay. We're only going to get to say this. We're barely going to get to say this anymore, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, because we because uh, like well, they walk by a bridge and then like Gutenberg or whatever his name is uh, walks off the bridge. At one point, they're talking and Jake Gyllenhaal's in the background, uh, like in shorts and and like a polo shirt, just like like they're all out scoping the area before the big attack. I did not realize it's that. Really, really cool. Interesting. En route to Prague, Peter tries on the glasses and finds out that they are an augmented reality program created by Stark called Edith, which he can use to spy on the world around him. At a rest stop, Dimitri sends Peter into a cottage where a woman agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. gives him a new costume so Spider-Man is not seen in Europe. She demands Peter take off his clothes to try on the costume, and while his pants are down, Brad Davis walks in. This is like the only scene I don't like. It is so uncomfortable for me. Like, it oh, I mean, it's funny, but it I, I but it it just plays really weird for me. Yeah, I agree. It it's like if we watch The Office. Yes. And yes. there, you know, and some episodes are really good, but then there are a couple episodes that are so like, like I the entire first want, season. Yeah, the first. Yeah, I was gonna say I can never watch Scott's Tots again because it's just way too <laughs> awkward for me. It's so this awkward. Is, this is like a two-minute Scott's Tots in the middle of uh, Spider-Man. Hey, Mister Scott, what you gonna do? What, what you, you gonna, gonna do? do make, make a dream, dream come true. true. <laughs> Dude, so good. Um, Brad takes a picture of Peter with his pants down next to a strange woman, and Peter chases after him. Brad believes he walked into a hookup and tells Peter he knows he's into MJ, but he's going to show her the pic so she can know the truth. Back on the bus, uh, Peter u- tries to use Edith to erase the picture on Brad's phone. While erase he's ex- all pictures of Peter! <laughs> <laughs> While he succeeds, he accidentally names Brad a target and activates a Stark defense drone. Ooh. Flash, whose desperate text to his uh, parents Peter previously read, gets knocked cold by Peter when he tries to look at the Edith glasses to his classmates' dismay. Chris, 
you you've got some questions about Flash Thompson. I do. W- I sure what are do. those questions? Bring them up. Let's hear them. All right. Well, Flash. I think Flash is really interesting in these movies. I thought they did a a, a really good job of kind of. It's not even a one hundred percent reinvention of the character, uh, but Flash Thompson in the comics and all that he's you know always beating up Peter. You know he's that kind of bully. And in this, you know, with them going to a nerd school, uh, they don't have jocks. Uh, he's just a rich bully, which I think is interesting. And but they keep the important character trait of excuse me, I have the hiccups now. Um, of he's a bully to Peter, but he is a big fan of Spider Man. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. But there is a very subtle subplot with Flash in this movie. Uh, it's it's very much in the background. And they only really call attention to it once. Uh, so we see that uh, when Peter first gets Edith, he's looking at other people's phone screens. And I mentioned that Mr. Dell is reading that history of witchcraft. Uh, so you see a couple things that they're reading. You see some text, but Flash's text that he's sending says, Mother, I have not heard from you or father in days. And first of all, and maybe you called your parents mother and father. I don't no. Uh, And no, I, I mean, I didn't. Uh, no. I, and I'm not saying that that necessarily imply uh, that necessarily 100% means something about someone's relationship with their parents, but it is a very formal, very distant way to refer to them. Uh, and that's interesting. And he hasn't heard from them, and he's wanting to hear from them. Uh, you know, he's been gone for five years. So we don't know if they were blipped, but. Uh, you know, I mean, there could even be something going on with that. Uh, but then at the very end, we get his driver picks him up at the airport at, at Peaches' favorite airport in the world, Newark. God, I noticed um, that this time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I very loudly said to my roommate who I was watching this with, that airport sucks. Yeah. And he was Maybe. like, I've never been there. And I was like, don't I, I go. I was with Peaches the time that it sucked, just for the record. They they flew into Newark for my wedding. What <laughs> so. do you mean? Flying into Newark, you get that great view of the Budweiser factory. It's great. Oh, I flew out of Newark. <laughs> true. It's true. <laughs> uh, oh, that. yeah. Newark. I mean, it's one of my go-to airports, to be fair, and I haven't had too many problems with it. But it, when you have problems there, you have problems. Uh, driving around it is a mess and... Yeah, but anyway, uh, but the point is, the driver comes to pick up Flash, <laughs> and and Flash says to him, "Mother and father couldn't make it," and it's like, and he and he looks sad for a second, and it's like, what's going on here? Is this something that we're going to be exploring in Spider-Man No Going Home or whatever we're going to end up calling the third one? Uh, you know, like home again, yeah, <laughs> Spider-Man Homeless. <laughs> <laughs> well and i'm glad to hear you pick up flash because flash is actually one of the things i like about this film these films um they obviously changed his interests um mm-hmm. which is I, I don't really care about they changed his this ethnicity which i definitely don't care about um but they still kept him he feels like flash thompson to me mm-hmm. more so than most other forms of the media the other was Flash even in the Andrew Garfield films? I don't yeah. recall. Yeah. yeah, he was. He's the guy that he in in the first one at least. I don't know. I don't remember if he's in the second one. In the first one, he is the guy after he gets his powers that he um 
bullies back on the basketball court. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. He, you're right. You're he right. Tries you're to right. Get you're flash right. to take the ball yeah, back from right. him, and then you're right. That's yeah. the only way they ever used Flash in the movies yep. up to this point. Was right. there's a scene after Spider-Man gets his powers right. where all of a sudden he can stand up for himself. Right, and that's at. So the other franchises basically just made Flash just a just a general bully and and lunkhead, which is not actually what Flash Thompson is. Flash Thompson is is arrogant. He is. Um, pretty rude to Peter, largely out of jealousy for Peter, but there's a lot of actual depth to the character. He is not just a routine bully. Like they have mutual friends. Flash Thompson is is popular not because he's a bad person. He he's a good friend to a lot of people, just not Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, he occasionally gets comeuppance, and that's great. As you mentioned, his uh love of Spider-Man is an important character trait. It it's because the original Spider-Man comics, and I would say this film as well, focus so much on Peter Parker's life and Spider-Man's life, rather than Peter Parker's just Spider-Man when his mask is off, it's important that Flash Thompson is constantly at odds with someone that he doesn't realize that he loves and is literally the chairman of his fan club. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> so I really like that they've, they've made, I think, a more... Um, true to original material flash thompson that's something that i really like and i wonder and this is kind of kidding because i can't even see it but i wonder if this flash will go on to be agent venom that i said the same thing (laughs) yeah it'd be weird because he doesn't seem like an agent venom no yeah because isn't that story like flash was in like iraq or afghanistan right yeah flash loses his legs legs, but gets the venom symbiote and becomes literally a superhero um yeah but flash and comic book flash thompson is again was cruel to peter parker when they were in high school and when they were in college but is genuinely a pretty heroic person it just seems though like i agree with with chris it seems strange to add that subplot in yes. like when i was watching today we got to that obviously we got to that scene in the airport where he asks about his mom and dad his mother and father rather and it just felt like why did this scene need to exist? Like we get a little bit of flash here and there in the movie, like, and it's good content, but it just seems so random at the very end of the movie for him to wonder, like he, it's not like we met his mother or father. It's like, they're not important characters to us. It's weird to call them out like that. So it it feels to me like they're trying to flesh out this Spider-Man's world. Like, him and his side characters and what's going on which stresses me out because because of the tenuous relationship that allows these movies to be made it feels like the next one could be the last one at any second which is always true of a franchise but feels even more true of this franchise which kind of is stressful because they actually for the most part do seem to be trying to make it and not in the forced, like, let's get to the Sinister Six as fast as possible way they did with the Andrew Garfield films. They oh, actually God. seem to be doing a smart way of building a rich uh, stable of characters for these films as they go forward. And I think that's probably why. Just kind of peppering a little bit of Flash's story instead of just making him be the person that, you know, makes Peter's life miserable. Give him a little bit of what's go- of a little bit more... Depth isn't the word I should go with, but a little bit more of a story to Flash Thompson. Um, doesn't mean it'll go anywhere, but I think that's where they're coming from. Yeah, it definitely feels like they're trying to flesh out this world, and it almost feels like they are trying to flesh out 
Flash Flash Thompson out this world, um, potentially to break away from Disney. Yeah, you know, it yeah. could be a move to try to make our their world a little bigger, make their characters a little bit more important. There are rumors, and these are just rumors at this point, so it's not spoilers. It could be, but they're not. They're just rumors at this point that there will be potentially another Spider Man in the next Spider Man movie. And it is not the one that you are thinking. Oh, so, if it's not that, it better not be a clone. Because I swear to God, if they do the clone saga. Okay, okay. Now, hold on. Hold on. There were problems ben? with the clone saga. But Ben Riley would be cool. Yeah. So the rumor is that they are looking to add Ben Riley into okay. the next Spider-Man movie. Okay. I will hear hmm. no ill words over that concept. Okay. Interesting. You know, that's the thing is that they could probably pull it off. They could probably pull it yeah. off. Yeah, yeah I just rem- to, we're not allowed to doubt the MCU anymore. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> There's no, it's not allowed. And I also really want to see blonde Tom Holland. So, <sighs> I actually just remembered a theory that was going around when Far From Home came out. I, have we heard Flash's last name in these movies yet? And is he credited as Flash Thompson? That's an interesting question. I will because look if up we right haven't, now. there's I believe there's a theory going along that maybe his name is actually Flash Osborne, and those are his rich distant parents. <laughs> Whoa, that'd be a weird combo because they're scary. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think they're going to go that way. Um, I think there are probably a lot of problems with that theory, but they uh, have, they have re- credited as Flash Thompson. Okay, well there we go. Yeah, well, no, no self-respecting person would ever name their com- their company Tom's Corp. So I think we're safe. <laughs> <laughs> I am excited about the Osborne family showing up in the MCU if they can with their spectacle of they, dancing if... lights. <laughs> Rip. Too soon. Uh, <laughs> oh, I miss it so much. Also, I do need to point out that every time I went to the Osborne. Uh, spectacle of dancing lights i was thinking of it as though this was norman osborne putting up <laughs> christmas lights like every time so interestingly i just want to add i went to spider-man homecoming and in that credit he is just flash oh. so he's he's only flash in one of them and he's flash thompson in the other one oh, okay interesting Maybe they were thinking about a route like that and then we're like, nah, let's not do that. Because remember, Donald Glover was in that one too as Prowler, as yes. pre-Prowler. Mm-hmm. So that's somebody that could come back too. Yeah, I still want to play Donald Aaron Glover Davis. Prowler. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's a deleted a scene where he like, sorry, he's like hung up and he gets on his phone and he's like, sorry, Miles, I'm not going to be able to make it to your party or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I strongly believe that if um into the spider-verse wasn't as successful as it was they were looking to add miles morales into these movies but now that into the spider-verse is as successful as it is they want to keep him his own thing right which is, and that's yeah. something i'm going to talk about with when we get to into spider-verse is um i'm really happy with the idea that there's going to be miles movies and peter movies i don't really need them to push both of them to be the same so i like that idea sure and i you know the interesting part is it is 
perfectly fine to have Peter in the Miles movie because Peter is instrumental in Miles' character, right. but mm-hmm. you don't need to have Miles in a Peter movie because right. Peter doesn't necessarily need Miles as a character, whereas Miles right. looks as P- at Peter as like a... Right, absolutely. You need Peter as a jumping off point. Right, sure, as a and, role model, absolutely. And I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing Miles, even as, even if it's just his Easter egg in the Peter Parker movies at all. Mm-hmm. It's It's just, it feels like it would be weird if we already have if they continue the spider-verse franchise which they better um if we consider the spider-verse franchise or continue the spider-verse franchise i think it would be weird if it's also like here's also live action miles it's well i think you can do both i i just think that i feel like when i mean the future of spider-man and the mcu is such a big question mark yes um i would love for sony and disney to continue playing nice forever you know, for a very long time. I think it is to their right. mutual benefit. I really do. Uh, whether Sony sees it that way, whether Disney sees it that way, I don't know. Um, but I would love to see Miles, but I feel like there's a lot of Peter stuff I want to see before we transition into the Miles stories, Agreed. if that makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's not just slight Miles as a character, because I think Miles is a great character. Right. And that's why I think it's great to have him front and center in the Spider-Verse movies uh, you know as those hopefully continue i mean obviously they're working on a sequel um but you know yeah, i'd love to see miles in live action one's toes yeah yeah it's like you don't want to rush peter parker out if you can keep peter parker going i mean you've got when you've got tom holland as peter parker you, you want to keep peter parker as long as you can i think agreed yeah this is one more interesting thing conversation going by the way no, oh, yeah. one more one more interesting thing about that that I just thought of uh, that I just wanted to say is I'm interested to see. I I really hope that they keep all most, if not all, of the characters that they've introduced in this movie in the next one because I would love to see how Flash treats Peter now that J Jonah Jameson oh, has out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing: Peter's got to be on the run now, right? Right. I Maybe. Would assume. Yeah. So Spider Man can't go home. Well, and a yeah. lot of people think yeah. that, that movie is going to be about discrediting Jameson and Mysterio, but at least it's going to have to start with him reckoning with yeah. him, dealing well, with him. And the yeah. more you think so, about it, the more it makes sense that if you need them not to believe that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, what do you do? You get someone else to be Spider-Man, and how um, do you do that? You make it Ben Riley. Yeah, like it makes a lot more sense the more you think about it. Yeah. Um, and for anyone who is not so maybe Flash would be like, dude, you're not Spider-Man. You don't have blonde hair. <laughs> and for anyone out there who is not aware, uh, Peter Parker gets unmasked and exposed to Spider-Man and some sort of hand-waving makes everyone realize, believe that, oh, no, 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 he wasn't actually Spider-Man. It was just Peter Parker dressed up as Spider-Man. That's a like a twice-a-decade Spider-Man story. It's been used a lot. So uh-huh. it can be used again in films. Yeah. But this, this, if, if Spider-Man, if Peter's on the run... I feel like they got to end up going with Craven, right? Ooh. Listen, don't talk about that now. Okay. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> That's me. Come on. All right. Oh. All right. So the drones. I didn't get to be in the Spider-Man episode. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> the drone fires on the bus, but Peter is able to create a distraction to destroy oh, yeah. That's it. Where we Brad looks like an idiot in front of MJ when he doesn't have the picture on his phone. In Prague, Peter meets with S.H.I.E.L.D. to plan how to stop the fire monster. Stark stresses the how importance... How do we stop the fire? 
of Peter's participation while Beck emphasizes, uh, empathizes with Peter over his anxiety about the situation and insists on being called Mysterio. After the meeting, Mysterio has a heart-to-heart with Peter, telling him to keep his friends safe and that he understands his fears. Uh, this scene is really interesting because they had me fooled. At this point, during my first watch-through, when Peter and Mysterio are having this heart-to-heart, mm-hmm. I was like, maybe they did. T- maybe Mysterio is a hero in this movie. Like, maybe they aren't going to do the turn. Just a moment ago, Peach told Chris to stop because he's getting there. So stop because I'm okay. getting there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to our big Mysterio conversation because uh-huh. I because I really wanted I, I had questions about how you all I mean I know how you all feel. There's in like general three. About I've already looked ahead at how this episode is going to go. There's like three big Mysterio conversations coming. So if you don't want Mysterio conversations. Um, thank you we for subscribing and liking this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Please continue to do so. Listen to the next episode when we have we... big uh, female Dr. Octopus conversations. We have oh, yeah. an hour already into this podcast, and we still have three giant Mysterio conversations to have. So. <laughs> Shut up and take it. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> I am a lady. Uh... Okay. After the meeting, Peter sets up what was that? Peter sets up an <laughs> opera trip for the school group to keep them uh, away from the battle. But when he's forced to ditch MJ, she follows him while Ned and Betty follow her. The Ned three- being the one who is like trying to cover for Peter and said, "I'm very excited about the opera. I think this is going to be a great cultural experience. <laughs> what a good friend! What a Even good friend he is. Ned's, I love Ned's little distractions and." Yeah. Uh, even when, when he's apologizing, I hope you don't think I'm ignoring you because of our relationship. <laughs> You're right. I'm Gang still your man in the chair. Uh, oh. The three end up at a carnival with Ned and Betty riding a Ferris wheel. A giant molten man appears at the carnival while Spider-Man okay. in black tactical gear and Mysterio try and fight it. The Molten Man causes the Ferris wheel to begin toppling, and while Mysterio takes on the Molten Man, Spider-Man attempts to save Ned and Betty. Spider-Man shoots a web at the Ferris wheel, (laughs) but it hits something invisible midair, which slingshots back to where MJ is hiding. While Parker keeps the Ferris wheel upright, Beck starts losing the fight as the Molten Man gets larger every time it comes in contact with metal. Beck tells Peter, whatever happens, I'm glad I met you then flies into the chest of the Molten Man and causes it to explode in a flash of green energy. Mysterio survives the encounter, and Fury and Hill arrive, asking Beck to join them in Berlin for an Interpol meeting, saying they need someone like him to protect the Earth. Fury admonishes Parker, saying the world needs him, and Stark chose him to be an adventurer for a reason, that maybe he was wrong. Beck offers to take a shaken Peter out for a drink. So dramatic, that scene. I'm not 21. <laughs> If I don't make it out of this, I'm glad I met you. (laughs) It's also the same scene where, oh no, that's a European knockoff. uh, Night monkey. (laughs) Also, is that really Nick Fury at that scene? I never thought about that until right now. I don't think think it's it's ever ever Nick Fury. I don't think he's Fury at all in this movie. Yeah, at no point is it ever Nick Fury. I'm sorry, okay, you know what I mean. Is that... Is that a Mysterio projection, Nick Fury, or is that a Cree Nick Fury? Oh, I did not know what you meant. Yeah, 
I did not know it. I assume it is because I think it, yeah. They end up working together in the final fight. And it's not a projection in the final fight. Yeah, I think yeah. I think he only projects Nick Fury that one time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because remember they're tricking Fury with all of this too. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Like cuz they talk about how they used the uh, like they were able to trick his satellites by making the energy pulses. Okay. All right, carry on. I'm convinced. In a bar, Peter is beaten down by Fury's words, and Beck tries to cheer him up. When Beck asks Peter what he wants to be, Peter says he just wants to enjoy his trip and date MJ. Aww. He realizes that Mysterio is the next Iron Man, and against Beck's protests, transfers control of Edith to him, having been convinced by Quentin's friendly treatment of Peter and the heroism he showed at the carnival. Peter welcomes Mysterio to the Avengers and walks away happy. After Peter has left, the activity, decorations, and most of the patrons in the bar fade away, showing themselves to have been a projected illusion. Beck claps his hand, saying, See, that wasn't so hard. Someone get this stupid costume off me. Uh, it's so Beck, <laughs> Beck celebrates with a few people with a few real people in the bar celebrating acquiring Edith and giving a toast to Stony Stark explaining everyone's involvement. It is revealed that Beck's life work was the holographic system BARF Tony Stark showed off in Civil War, then abandoned as a self-therapy project. Beck protested his invention being important, but was fired by Stark for being unstable. Beck used the technology to create the bar scene. Beck then introduces William, the scientist Obadiah Stain yelled, Tony Stark booked this with a box of scraps in a cave. Oh, is God. that actually him? Yes, it, it is. It is. It Same is. actor. Okay. Just okay. kid from Christmas Story. Isn't that crazy? Wait, what? He's the kid from a Christmas story. What? <laughs> Did we not talk about this in the Iron Man episode? I know it was a long time ago. I don't remember. It was like 30 episodes ago, dude. <laughs> yeah, oh, what's oh my goodness. Oh okay. my. Wow. Peter Billingsley. That's his name. So yeah. when he was pointing the, the drone at his head, he was going to shoot his eye out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Wow. Um, wow. Because um, yeah, he and um, also, I've never seen a Christmas story. I've Same. actually, I don't know if I've ever seen it the full way through. All right. I just know um, right. I'm always <laughs> yeah. alone in this. A podcast of people I mean, who haven't seen a Christmas story. <laughs> there you go. The only podcast in the world where. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, no. Peter Billingsley is a collaborator and longtime friend of John Favreau, which is how he ended up in Iron Man. And then they said, "Hey, let's bring him back." That's crazy. Yeah, no, I I love that that he was brought back. That's such a cool call out. What a great way to like. Yeah, it's the last movie in in this story, right? Really, and they managed to tie it back to the very first one in a way that none of us saw coming. Mm-hmm. So Beck explains that William integrated Beck's holograms with his defense drones to create actual threats behind the illusions. Through other introductions, Beck's crew, all former Stark Industries employees, are revealed to have written the backstory of Mysterio, created effects to manipulate S.H.I.E.L.D., and figured out that Edith was being handed over to Peter Parker instead of one of them. 
Beck yells that in today's world, people don't care if you're the smartest person in the room, if you don't have a cape and can't shoot lasers. So they created this scheme and faked persona to acquire Edith and make Mysterio the most powerful superhero in the world. All right, Robbie, don't let me steal your thunder anymore. Go ahead. Mysterio talk. Oh my God. So first off, this scene, I, Mysterio was in this movie and you obviously, I think obviously, knew Mysterio was going to be the villain of this movie. Mysterio was in the advertising. We all knew it was going to be Mysterio. But in the advertising, he was not being played as a villain. He was being played as a hero. And I thought, and, and Peaches and I are going to discuss this as well, but I definitely thought, you know, there, there, there's going to be a twist. Mysterio's not going to be a villain, but we're going to see the twist coming a mile away. But then as this film went on, and I think Peaches kind of already said this, or, or you started to say this, I definitely started to think the longer this film went on, are they actually making Mysterio the hero? Like, that's really disappointing. <laughs> like, I, I, that's, I'm fine with taking some, some, you know, uh, creative license with uh, characters, but Mysterio as the hero was just such a missed opportunity. Like, why are they doing that? And it just kept on going, kept on going. And then this bar scene is happening. I'm just watching this bar scene kind of when he started to hand off the glasses, then it started to trigger for me. But I'm watching this bar mm-hmm. scene thinking like, my goodness, he's actually a good guy. Like they actually made Mysterio a hero. And these elementals from another, they're going to do the multiverse. And these elementals are going to be the villains. And I just, that was boring. And then this scene happens. And then you have the projections dropping. And then you have, um, I think, fantastic acting from Jake Gyllenhaal. Like he, he's a wonderful character and a wonderful mm-hmm. Quentin Beck. Um, and then just laying out this whole elaborate plan and how much it made sense and how it was all done. And, um, and at the root of it all, how it all made, it all actually felt like how Mysterio works and operates. Like the, the, the Earth 616 comic book Mysterio, what his MO and his, like, okay, yes, Quentin Beck in this movie is not a uh, uh, Hollywood stunt performer, but... It, it still works. What he's doing is still works for making sense um, for tying it into barf, which is, and this is another thing peaches and are going to get into that was not done in this movie, but tying it into an existing technology that was just a throwaway in another film and saying, no, no, Hey, no, that makes Mysterio. We can do Mysterio with that. That's so mm-hmm. clever. It was so yeah. clever. And so I just want to point out that, and I think I'm not alone in this on this podcast from seeing y'all's reactions. They managed to, it's one thing to, have a bait and switch and a twist that catches the general audience by surprise. Like, Oh, that guy's the villain. It's another to absolutely convince a diehard Marvel fan who sees it coming a mile away that you're wrong. No, we actually made Mysterio a villain and get to the point that they actually believe that. And then even they are bait and switch. And it was just so satisfying. Um, And so I have another point on this, but I wanted to know, since you started to talk about Eduardo, I wanted y'all to talk about this this twist. This twist you saw coming and then convinced yourself wasn't coming. Yeah, it's so funny because I have also been a very large proponent. Since the animated series, I was like, Mysterio would be the perfect mm-hmm. movie villain. He mm-hmm. seems perfect for it. Like, it just, the amount of special effects that you could put in to make him so... To make him work, right? Like I think it'd be such a cool and interesting villain. I've been saying it. I had been saying it for years, and they finally were doing it. And then I sit down to watch this movie, and I'm like, I think they're gonna make him the hero. Like that 
speech that he has with Peter, up until this exact moment, I was almost completely convinced that they were just reversing course and we're going in a different direction. We're yeah. going to do something else. And then the like shoe drops and you're like, oh, they even fooled me. Yeah. It's so good. And it's so meta. Mysterio fooled us all. <laughs> you know what it's like? Do you know why all of us specifically um, find this fascinating? Not only because they tricked us people that knew Mysterio was a villain into thinking he wasn't. And then we're like, I know he was. It's because this is Atlas in Bioshock. This yep. is Atlas yeah. turning into Frank Fontaine. Yep. And mm-hmm. this moment. He manipulated Spider-Man into doing all the things he wanted, and then the Scottish accent drops. Now, would you kindly hand over those glasses? (laughs) Exactly. Before I could say it, you jerk. (laughs) (laughs) It was it was very reminiscent of that story arc, and I and I didn't make that connection until recently. But I I never thought of it that way. That's one reason that it's so well done to me is because it reminds me of another thing that I really care about. And then, no, go ahead. I was going to say, and I am also one of those people that has for years wanted Mysterio. Every time they announced a new Spider-Man movie, I would say, maybe this will be the one where they finally do Mysterio. And they wouldn't. Yep. I've been in, I've been fascinated by this character, even though I hadn't really even read any comics with him. Ever since, and we talked about this on the show before, I played the Spider-Man cartoon maker. Uh, the <laughs> 1996 PC game. Mm-hmm. Uh, just playing with that Mysterio animated figure and then finding out oh, he's a special effects artist and that's how he does mm-hmm. crimes? That's really cool. I want to see him in a movie. Mm-hmm. And then they finally did it. And I I, and I, I won't get too far into it, but my, when I first saw the trailer, I was like, okay, he's pretending to be a hero and all the elementals are illusions. Got it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I'm smart. I Obviously. figured it out. Good for me. Um, I don't think I was ever convinced that he was a good guy, but there was enough doubt creeping into my head, like, Right. That that right, scene at the very was... least you start wondering how are they going to do this? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so so when they got to that scene, uh, that is a great scene and it was just a very fun scene to watch unfold because I was like, okay, all right. I'm not crazy. <laughs> well, and I remember another thought I was having through this film is okay, there is actually a multiverse. He is actually from another universe. He's actually just magic like Doctor Strange, and that's how they're doing Mysterio in this. He's basically Doctor mm-hmm. Strange, which is Something kind of like the Vulture, like, and I did like the Vulture. It's a very different Uh take on Vulture, but I liked that different take on Vulture. And I thought that was going to be the kind of thing where, like, maybe I'm a little disappointed that he's not doing illusions, but whatever. I got Mysterio. He's wearing a fishbowl. And so I'd kind of accepted that even if they're doing the twist, it's because he has magic. And then this scene is just, no, he doesn't. This is Mysterio. Like, it's Uh using different tech, but this is Mysterio. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm really happy to hear... Um, you folks bring up your excitement at Mysterio actually being in a film because that's another that's the other aspect of this that they actually did Mysterio and they did Mysterio faithfully and they actually there's no embarrassment of making it Mysterio they made it work I remember in the era of the Sam Raimi films I was a moderator for the message board on Mm -hmm. cinemablend.com which was smaller back then but still a a reasonable I, I, I assume most people out there know Cinema Blend now at that point, it was not a big, as quite as big a deal, but I was um, a, a, a moderator, for a super mod for the whole board. I contributed to a lot of, I didn't write for the site, but I handled a lot of their threads. Um, I handled their Oscar chat, stuff like that. So I was very into their um, 
I, I was friends with a lot of the writers there who aren't there anymore. And the editor in chief of the time, the founder of Cinema Blend, is still a good friend of mine. But I remember when we were discussing the Raimi films and the future Raimi films, sometimes someone would bring up Mysterio and the powers that be at that site, all the way up to the editor in chief, who is a good dude, just very strong in his opinions, would just basically tell everyone, no, Mysterio can never work on film. And there's no way that Mysterio wouldn't be a joke. And because I am not a creative type and because I am not a film buff, I just accepted that. Okay, yeah, you're right. Mysterio can't work on film. I just believed them and truly felt that if these people who are, they are smarter about movies than me, say that Mysterio can't work in a movie, then they must be right. Mysterio can't work in a movie. I pled to authority. That's a logical fallacy. My bad. Um, (laughs) So... I had just accepted that Mysterio, not my favorite Spider-Man villain, but, and, and it's not about the fact that I love, love Mysterio. I do like Mysterio, but it's not so much that Mysterio is my favorite Spider-Man villain. It's that if someone does Mysterio faithfully, that shows that that person is, in my opinion, actually buying into Spider-Man, actually buying into this universe that I love so much and these characters that I love so much. So it's not just Mysterio himself. It's what honoring Mysterio represents in your dedication to the, to the source. Um, and so the fact that they did that, that they not only had this great reveal and that Hall not only played him great, but they just did it faithfully and creatively. And it's just so cool. And I cannot get over. And, and then, and we're obviously going to talk about another part where it's really cool in a little while, but it's just such a great, it's a great moment for showing how we fooled you. And also this is actually a Mysterio. It's just a dude with a bunch of tricks messing with people. Um, I only illusions, his, Robbie. Uh, yes, right. Tricks or something. That, uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, about the only thing that I wish is that his um, green smoke still mel- melted spider webs. I think that would have been a nice touch, but beggars can't be choosers. I got Mysterio, uh-huh. and I'm really happy about it. I didn't know that that was something that his smoke did. Yeah, one of his main things is that his smoke is acidic and melts Peter Parker's. Um, webbing which is you know eh, whatever no, i no, mean he, yes, i convenient. guess he needs he needs something like that to actually be uh like a combative force against spider-man because otherwise right it's just the illusions yeah that's kind of the thing um there was very recently a run of they did a story of the black suit spider-man um of the symbiote spider-man that was it was a new run but it was meant to be stories that happened during the original run so mm. if it doesn't it, it, it almost like almost like rogue one like something's like, happening here's a story we also, didn't tell you right about right exactly time. so it, it's meant to be spider-man it's meant to be canon spider-man it's just a story from past spider-man that hadn't already been told is that the one mm-hmm. where he one beats thing, the crap out of kingpin no it, that's it's not the story i'm thinking of that's not the same story but um that's a good panel but that is a good panel and also mm-hmm. that's the other reason I want the Sony Spider-Verse to continue is because I uh, I really want to see angry Peter Parker. At some point, I need to see Tom Holland be angry, sick of people's bullshit Peter Parker. But anyway, it was... It, but it's, it's Peter with the black suit, and what's interesting is the whole arc is about Mysterio working to become an actual threat. Because the thing about Mysterio, kind of to what Peach has just said, is that he's not actually that threatening to a guy with basically precognition and super agility and great yeah. eyesight <laughs> and so peter so, tingle so right it, it's uh, mysterio stories are interesting 
but he's not ever really that threatening to Spider-Man. Like he's not someone that's going to, you know, potentially kill Peter Parker or his loved ones. He's just, you know, almost a sideshow, which is fine. Um, but yes, you're to your point. Part of it is he's got to have things like his smoke melts webbing because otherwise it's just, what are you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of when I would uh, play the video game. And someone would like, oh, Spider-Man, get him. I'm like, I'm Spider-Man. What are you thinking here? Like, <laughs> oh my what gosh. is your plan, dude? <laughs> you just reminded me, we're, we're getting very off track here, but I got to, you just reminded me, I was in, I was in someone's stream the other day. They were talking about this video they watched on like TikTok or something of this guy. And the theme was um, in a video game, working your way to the boss and he like goes into a room and he meets up with like a minion and he's like, both of them are really cocky toward each other and the main character wins and he goes into another room and there's four minions in there and they literally fight the guy one at a time and they keep talking shit like they are superior to this. You're like, dude, you just watched me beat up your friend. Right. Do you uh-huh. really want to do this? Right. Yeah. And they're like, I can't believe you did that. But there's no way you're beating me. <laughs> yeah. And then they do like a, some sort of superhero move that they always do. And they go, how did he do that? Yeah. I, I, that happened to me. Me of that. I noticed yeah. that in the Arkham games too. Where yeah, there's a great... like, well, I'm going to kill you, Batman. No, right, exactly. Not. Absolutely. Um, and at least, at least Batman. The goddamn it's, Batman. It's still wrong with Batman, but at least Batman's a dude. Like, yeah. At the end of that video, the guy's like, there's, he's like leaving and one more minion approaches him. And he's like, right. oh, you about to die. And the hero's like, listen, stop. I'm tired of fighting. You go in that room, there's a pile of other minions in there that I have already killed. Go look at them. I've already killed your boss and that boss's boss. You don't have to work for him anymore. Do you want to fight me seriously? Genie, you're free. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of there's another Spider-Man panel I really like where he's, there's a dude who, I think he's holding up a, a like an office complex or something but spider-man shows up and the guy starts pointing his gun at spider-man and goes i'll do it i'll do it and spider-man just stands there and looks at him and he goes okay <laughs> that's, like, that's, like, that's what a criminal's actual reaction to spider-man would be like like it just a low a low profile criminal would be yeah no yeah i i, I lost my bad <laughs> i will go now so to all those, um, Peaches, you want to talk about what we were right and what we were wrong about? Oh, is this is now when we're getting into that? Yeah, I figured it ties in right about here. So, Okay, so continuing with our uh, not plot, when this movie first came out, um, and I mentioned this in a previous episode, I don't remember which one, but um, there was some talk because of the trailer about... Um, something fishy going on because a, like we just spoke of, we all knew Mysterio was a villain. So it was weird that the trailer painted him in a, in a good light, but there was also talk that something was weird about Nick Fury because in the trailer, it was pointed out that his eye patch was on the wrong eye. And I don't know if that was true or not. Um, but that was one of the things that was floating around there. And when that theory floated out into the universe, I just happened to be over at Robbie's house. And we had this like hour long think tank of 
we're going to break the plot of this movie open. Like, we're going to figure it out right here, right now. We know all the pieces. We, we've got some of the, like, a lot of the information. We're going to do this. And so we start putting the pieces together. Well, it makes sense that a Spider-Man movie will build up to the Sinister Six, right? Because the Sinister Six is another one of those things that even if you're not a, a huge comic fan, it's probably something that you've heard of. Even if you can't name any of the members, you've probably still heard of it. And so far in the MCU, we've already got a lot of villains that either have been a part of the Sinister Six or could substitute for other members that aren't in the MCU. Like in the very first movie in Homecoming, we already get Vulture, Shocker, two Shockers, one of them's dead, but we get two of them, (laughs) Scorpion and Prowler. So we've got four villains right now that we could use. Prowler probably wouldn't be. Prowler probably wouldn't be in the Sinister Six, but four villains, right? In this one, we get Mysterio and presumably Hydro Man and whatever they're calling the magma guy and the sand guy, right? So here's four more potential villains. But then Robbie and I, when we're talking about this, we're looking at uh, IMDb to figure out like who's credited in the movie. And we find out, this is why I was talking about Dimitri earlier, that there is a person who is of Russian descent whose name is Dimitri, and there's no last name. It's just Dimitri on IMDb, and I believe it still is. And Robbie, being the Spider-Man encyclopedia that he is, is like, oh, Dimitri's the name of Chameleon. Yeah, Dimitri Smerdyakov. Yeah, Smerdyakov. So if you don't know who Chameleon is, he is... He is basically what's his name from the Master of Disguise, except good. Um, and Pistachio Disguise, but also yeah, bad. yes. I and hate that I remember that character's name. Not only, not only is he a villain in the Spider-Man universe, he is the half brother of Craven the Hunter. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so you have the potential of having way more than six villains to choose from but that's not the important part this is just good setup right because Mm -hmm. this sets up the potential sinister six but it also sets up the way that this movie absolutely forking tricked me (laughs) because in this discussion we had we're trying to figure out okay nick fury something's fishy about nick fury and there's a guy named dimitri who's a master of disguise is dimitri playing nick fury and we're gonna find out that the bait and switch is that fury was somebody that he wasn't and that somebody that he wasn't was going to be dimitri Mm -hmm. and so we're we're trying to put all this together and figure it out and we're like no maybe everyone that we've seen in the trailer is fake and dimitri is just playing everybody we thought the villain was going to secretly be chameleon yeah um and so Watching this movie, I have to tell you, (laughs) not only did it trick me into thinking that Mysterio was going to be a good guy, it also really kept leading me down the path of, you better watch out for that Dimitri guy because he's coming for you. Let me tell you why. In the scene earlier, when Peter first walks into that bunker that they're all in with Maria Hill, Nick Fury, uh, Mysterio, and Dimitri, 
The first thing that Nick Fury tells Peter to do when they walk down there is to take off his mask. Because everybody down there, quote, already knows him, and it would be silly to wear your mask in front of them. That obviously wasn't true. Two people didn't know him in the room. So it's weird for Fury to suggest something like that when he knows that Peter wants to keep his identity a secret. And then later, when they're on the bus, when Peter first gets Edith, and he puts it on, and he's looking at, at everyone on the bus, and he sees all the different information about people. When he glances at Dimitri, Dimitri's information is classified. There's nothing on him. It's just a red bar that says classified on it. So I really, really was like stoked to see that our, our um, hypothesis was going to end up being correct. I wasn't bummed that it wasn't correct. Yeah, I was happy it wasn't. Like, that. I because, was glad we didn't figure it out. Because in a way, it was sort of correct. <laughs> it was right. just not, it was not the chameleon. Right. Um, but that's why, that's another reason earlier I brought up, like, whose side is Dimitri on? Because if he's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, I, I don't think he's going to be playing the, a villain in a future movie. But if he isn't a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, if he is a mercenary, or if he is one of the groupies on on Mysterio's team or just something like that. I could see them bringing him back for something like that. Um, Cause he's got the name. He's got the um, like, it matches the character from the universe. Um, I don't know. I think it could work, but yeah, but it's fun. It was funny when you mentioned Craven the hunter, because that would be a good shoe in. Yep. Since they're half brothers. Yep. And everything he just said, um is perfectly correct like it was something we we went over and then went back and forth about a couple other things but i remember it just felt like this long series of us both like our eyes lighting up oh we figured something out and then as we figured nothing out but (laughs) um well that you just reminded me chris posted like a meme in the chat about when peter is asking which other superheroes are available and you really would think if this threat is like elementals invading earth mm-hmm. that they would bring somebody like Spider-Man's great, right. but he has strength and he shoots webs. How is he going to defeat a, like just a water being? Right. How is he going to defeat living fire? Like you mm-hmm. need to bring somebody like Captain Marvel in. Right. And so it was weird that Fury was deflecting mm-hmm. because you would think that Fury would be like, Oh no, you're absolutely right, you right. child that I have uh, mistaken the intelligence of. I should bring better heroes in for this. Right. Um, so it just, it all like really, really made our opinion in my mind solidified until it wasn't anymore. One other thing I will add is as we were sitting there thinking this through, this was right around when we got to Winter Soldier while doing this podcast, I believe. Because, or maybe I was just watching Winter Soldier. But I remember we were trying to think about, you know, we didn't think too hard on what tech is Chameleon going to have, how is his how is his mask going to work, etc. And then I'm watching Winter Soldier, and I get to the scene where Natasha pulls off the, the mask, revealing that she was not actually the direct, one of the board of directors of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was Natasha Romanoff. And I texted Peaches going, wait, we already have the chameleon mask technology. It's in Winter Soldier. And he just goes, yep, we have broken this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. certain that they were going to go back and use that mask tech 
and have chameleon <laughs> in this movie. It's which thing so is I, I, it's already there. It, it makes me wonder if if that was part of the play. Right, were we just do you told this whole time? Yeah, like do you do you think that that path that we went down was exactly what they fed us? Like right, we, we all knew Mysterio with help. <laughs> yeah, like they put Mysterio in a good light and we're all going to wonder how the hell are they going to pull that off and we see this Dimitri in the credits like that I want I want to believe that they like set a bunch of little tiny pieces of cheese and led us straight into a mousetrap. <laughs> like mm-hmm. And but I, I don't know Sandman how deliberate they would do that. Yeah, and I think the Sandman and the Hydra Man and the Magma Man, like, I think that was all intentional as well. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I watched some of the special features uh, recently, and the the director even jokes, oh man, all the Cyclone fans are going to be pumped when they see this. <laughs> so so they were definitely <laughs> trying to invoke these characters. And I think even, like, the the pop vinyls of them are named Mag- uh, Molten Man and, and Hydro Man. So, so it's definitely intentional. Uh, I said this in the chat. I don't know, um, but I I decided to search Mysterio on my phone to see if I could find something, and I did. I found the text conversation where Robbie told me this theory, and it was it was actually the day before I left for my honeymoon. Yeah, you did, and I was and I was certain, which is why. Which is why when I saw the movie and got to the post credit scene, my first thought, like the, the final post credit scene where it's revealed that there are scrolls, I was like, I wish I could see Robbie and Peaches watch this. <laughs> because I want them to have gone through the whole movie feeling like, oh, my theory was wrong. Only to find out that, yeah, he was actually pretending to be Fury, but it's okay because Fury wanted him to. Yeah. <laughs> so that... that reveal was extra special for me because that was the first thing I thought of was you guys. It was one of those moments where like you were slightly disappointed, but you were okay with it. But then the post credit scene, like my eyes lit up because I was Uh like, I wasn't a hundred percent wrong. And Robbie, I think (laughs) we were actually seeing it at the same time. I think that my movie might have started like 10 minutes before yours. Cause I think I texted you and you saw it like while the credits were rolling. Yes. And I was like, let me know when you see the next one. <laughs> Eduardo, I don't remember. Did I did I tell you this theory or did I tell you I have a theory and I really want to see if it's true? So Peaches and I saw this movie together. He was visiting me at the time. And mm. I think the day before we go see this movie, he's like, I got this theory about this movie. And then he tells me all of this. And I swear to you, you know that meme from It's Always Sunny with the dude and he's got all the charts behind him <laughs> and he's pointing at it? That's what he felt like to me because he it was so elaborate and there were all these like moving pieces that needed to be correct for all of this to be true. And that's what it felt like when he was telling me. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, that I think that is definitely probable. But in my mind, I'm like, dude, what the f- what is happening right now? <laughs> it, it was pretty sound. Come on. <laughs> you don't accidentally name the character Dimitri and then get really mysterious about it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless that's literally what you do. <laughs> this all happened at like 8 in the morning in my living room. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, um, Chris. I remember we were watching it at about the same time because I remember you texted, have you seen the mid credit scene yet? And I go, no. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> I've never seen Robbie turn into Lil John so fast in my life. Yeah, I am. Okay. 
Anyway, that's my uh, that's my conspiracy theory. The other ones I love are flat Earth and that birds aren't real. So we won't talk about those. <laughs> like, birds aren't real. By the way, I'm not a I'm not a flat earther. Just so the listeners know, you just enjoy that theory because it is funny. It's something that brings me joy when I feel sadness is remembering that there are people that sincerely think the Earth is flat. So, like, <laughs> do we just sit around thinking about that all day lately? <laughs> yes. 2020 is just sitting around thinking about conspiracy theories just to get to the next day. Sitting a what? <laughs> you mean sitting a flat? Yeah, my bad. Sitting a flat. Sitting a flat. <laughs> okay, let's get back into it. Let's yeah. just yes. jump back into it. That was a hell of a... <laughs> Peter returns to the hotel to find out the school trip has been canceled and asks MJ if she wants to take a walk with him before they have to leave Europe. MJ agrees, and Peter tries to confess his feelings for her, but she interrupts him, assuming he is trying to tell her that he is Spider-Man. Parker denies being the wall crawler and dejectedly assumes the only reason MJ ever showed interest in him is because she thought he was. To try and prove her case that Spider-Man and Peter are always in the same place at the same time, MJ pulls out the device that fell near her in the Magma Man battle to show that it is covered in webs, but she drops it. The device turns on and shows a projection of an elemental battling Mysterio. The two realize Mysterio was a fraud, and Peter admits he is Spider-Man, and that he made a mistake. MJ celebrates being right. Aww. I am not bringing this point up on purpose <laughs> as a follow-up to our initial conversation from our first Spider-Man episode. But I do need to talk about MJ in this movie. My wife at the beginning, so the first time I watched this movie, I watched it the whole way, and I was so stunned by everything happening with Mysterio. He was kind of the only thing I really focused on during the whole movie. And so during my rewatch, just just as we're sitting down to rewatch, my wife looks over at me, Bailey, and she looks at me and she goes, you know, I really love MJ in this movie. And I didn't really give it any thought. She's like, I really like MJ this movie I can really identify with her in this movie and I didn't really know what she was talking about and then during this movie I just tried to pay attention to her and she is great in this mm-hmm. movie she is so much character to her and I had wrote down in the notes I think there are times where love interest characters tend to be more seen than character there are times when they are not given the same attention to detail that they should be and they are treated more as like well we have to give them a love interest because it's a superhero so here is their love interest because it's something we're contractually obligated to do but this felt like an actual character right like she just she seems so real and also so so different right she's a different type of character than i think of anyone in the mcu right like i don't think she parallels anyone in the mcu and i think she plays just an instrumental part and peter's already talked about this earlier about the sort of yin to the yang of of peter parker that she plays this opposite of him but she also never lets him believe that he is smarter than her a hundred percent of the time she lets it be known that she is the smarter one of the two that she knows what's up even this exact interaction here where she's like you're spider-man i know you're spider-man it's pretty obvious i'm not stupid Mm -hmm. you're spider-man and he's like what are you talking about what me (laughs) (laughs) spider-man that was light monkey i think the news said (laughs) 
And I just, I really, really like her in this movie. This has nothing to do with MJ or Mary Jane or any of those, but I think MJ in this movie is a really fun character, and I'm excited to see her in the in future movies alongside Tom Holland. I agree. Zendaya does a great job of playing her. I I especially like the um the chemistry they have um, specifically that Peter is kind of like the the shy modest one, and she will go straight to like roasting him. Uh, like when they're going to the opera and he says, you look really pretty in her responses. And that gives me value. And he's like, uh, <laughs> or, and therefore I have values like, uh, no. And she's like, dude, I'm messing with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Um, so I agree with everything you said. And I, I'm also excited to keep seeing her in movies. Well, and I also love that interaction right there is such a different type of interaction than love interests normally have in a movie. Usually it's the same type of like, they get butterflies when they're around each other, right? And they don't know how to speak and like they do this weird thing. But this, it's like they're just like, he's like, you look pretty. And she's like, so therefore I value. And they have this like real friendship that you can see there. The friendship is there. And I think it's really important because a lot of these movies, and I don't think superhero movies are even the only ones involved here. Movies where it's like a male protagonist that has, you know, this love interest. It's usually we skip straight to the love interest part, but we never get the friendship part. And I think this movie does a really good job with that part. Agreed. I do not disagree. Do you want to disagree? (laughs) No, I don't. <laughs> I especially actually like this scene. I like her because you know, you're Spider-Man. Like, I like that part. Mm-hmm. And him denying it is so funny. And then then when the I projector goes off, he goes, I'm, yeah, that's so good. <laughs> and then as they're running in, she's like, keep we figured it out. <laughs> well, and I love how her character sort of breaks throughout the movie. She's like really mysterious specifically in the first one. And it kind of carries over into the beginning of this one. And you see Mm -hmm. sort of cracks into who she really is throughout this movie. And she is somebody, and she like talks about how she's like, she pretends to be this type of person because she's afraid what people are going to think about her. And she, it's like a really like human thing. And it's really relatable in my opinion as somebody who can be like, you know, sometimes you just try to pretend to be somebody you're not so that people can accept you. And it's like a very relatable thing, in my opinion. At least I think. Like, I pretended to like all these Marvel movies, so you guys would be friends with me. Exactly. This whole thing. Yeah. Whoa. Wait. <laughs> pretending? Dang. Wait, how can there be three people on this podcast pretending? <laughs> three. Aha. <laughs> 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 I just think MJ's really cool in this movie. Um, oh, yeah. I, I thought she was a lot of fun in it. Yeah. In an abandoned theater, Beck and his crew are putting together the same elemental MJ and Peter just saw. While Beck wears a motion capture suit, the drones coordinate using barf to create the projection of the elemental, this time a giant storm man and Mysterio fighting it. The dr- I love that we actually see the motion capture suit that yes. so many superheroes wear. And what I think is even funnier is that they actually made a real Mysterio suit, which they were not planning to do. They thought it was all going to be mocap, but then they ended up making the actual suit, which he wore. And therefore, Jake Gyllenhaal wear, 
wears a motion capture suit to pretend that he's pretending to wear a Mysterio suit that he's actually wearing in the scenes where he's wearing the Mysterio suit. But Tom Holland <laughs> wears a motion capture suit when he's the Iron Spider. Wow. Uh-huh. That was a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the drone's weapon system create the appearance of damage and destruction, which, best a- which Beck asks to be turned up in order to create maximum damage. The information is uploaded to the Edith network, which will allow them yeah. to create an elemental whose destruction can cover all of London. Beck says he is willing to let London suffer a lot of casualties and destruction in order to stop an Avengers-level threat and become the next Iron Man. When the projection distorts, William tells him one of the drones lost its projector, Beck, afraid of Fury finding the projector as evidence, becomes unhinged and threatens his crew with the drones. Using Edith, Beck finds footage of MJ picking up the projector and shows it to Peter. Beck angrily tells William that now he has to kill Peter Parker and Parker's blood will be on William's hands. Peter tells MJ and Ned to cover for him while he goes back to Germany to tell Nick Fury about Beck. I love this scene of Ned finding out that MJ knows and then him being like really defensive right. about being the one that knows about Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So you know, huh? I mean, that's cool. I've known first and longest, but it's not a competition. <laughs> also, yeah. speaking of Ned at the hotel, a couple so- shots ago, Ned and Betty, high school students, are just hanging out in their hotel room in on a school trip in robes like is that what kind of operation is this school running i don't I mean, know of any science. high school trip you have ever been on but <laughs> when i was in high school that is exactly the kind of nonsense kids would be getting into <laughs> to it. be fair the <laughs> teacher chaperones did not know that the museum they initially were going to go to was closed for renovations so <laughs> they did also not plan fair. the trip Mm-hmm. also fair it was not a great great itinerary um i also love ned walking in and going wow peter that costume looks great for the she knows <laughs> <laughs> i've known for a long time <laughs> yeah so great i told her i figured it out <laughs> In Germany, Fury finds Peter and takes him to a meeting with himself and Hill. Peter talks, uh, tells the two about Beck's plan, and Stark asks Peter who else he's told about this. Spider-Man senses that Beck is nearby when the surrounding offices and Hill disappear, leaving the two in an abandoned warehouse. A decloaks drone shoots Fury. The booming voice of Mysterio starts to mock and threaten Peter Parker while dragging him through a series of torturous illusions, including massive distortions of reality and intense clouds of green smoke straight out of the comics, MJ falling from the Eiffel Tower, a giant Mysterio attacking him, uh, falling through giant spiderwebs, Mysterio telling him if he was good enough, Iron Man would still be alive, followed by a rotting Iron Man armor climbing out of the grave and attacking, which is awesome. Spider-Man, Spider-Man? Spider-Man trapped... Spider-Man! <laughs> Speedo-Man trapped in a giant snow globe. <laughs> Peaches. Yo. I assume you really like the Scarecrow segment. I mean the Scorpion segment. I mean the Mysterio segment in this movie. <laughs> Dude, it's so well done. I, I 
I knew that one of us would talk about it, so I threw it in the notes because I know we all have something to say about this. But hey, look, another thing in this movie that reminds me of a video game I like. If you've played Arkham Asylum, there's that scene, like the three different scenarios where Scarecrow confronts you and you have to work through his like nightmare fuel of levels to get to him. And then they did the same thing with the Spider-Man game with Scorpion's Venom. It's a weird choice, but yeah, it was, it was weird, but I liked it because it reminded me of the Arkham Asylum thing. Yeah. And, and that worked them wanting to do a Scarecrow sequence, but not having put Mysterio in the game. Like, uh, yeah, they reference him in the game. One of the backpacks has his, has a, um, a piece of his fish. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm, Nice. Yeah, I just like I don't have a ton to say about it because you've you've described all the scenes well. I just think that it's visually really cool, reminiscent of a thing that I really like, and it really highlights what Mysterio can do with his illusion tech very well. And at this point it sucks for Peter because his tingle is not back yet. So, he struggles to understand that most of this like I think he knows it's an illusion, but he can't feel his way in the dark like at one point um mysterio fake mysterio is approaching him from behind and he turns around and tries to deck him in the face and it's actually a column like he punches like a dent into a column and hurts his hand like he has no concept of anything that's going on at this point so it's just all in all probably the best scene in the movie and i would Hmm. say maybe top three in the mcu it might literally be my top one in the MCU. I think you already said, I think all of us already said that Thor coming into Wakanda was our top scene in the MCU. <sighs> okay. Hope, but you can change your mind about things. MCU. Yeah. You're allowed change to. Change is okay. Yeah. Evolving as a person. Man, it's mm-hmm. hard. It no, is there... certain. Mm-hmm. It's top five at worst for me. Yes. Like yeah. at worst it's five. <laughs> it's, I mean, you're right. It's just so well done. It's so cool that, and we've already talked about how cool it was that they did Mysterio. And then they even put this sequence of him doing, you know, not just putting up a bar full of people, but messing with Peter's brain with just wild illusions, with Mm -hmm. having the iconic green Mysterio smoke all over the place. Um, I think it's interesting you say that um, he didn't have his Peter tingle at this point. I'm not going to say that word again. No, that's that is what it's called. The proper vernacular. Stop. I think it's interesting. This is not a Marvel Comics podcast. This is the MCU retrospective. I think it's interesting you say that his spider sense wasn't really working, and it's clearly he doesn't have it honed in on how to handle Mysterio. But at the start of this, he senses that Beck is there, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's helping him to a degree, just not enough. Um, something that I think I, I hope Soundlord has an opinion on um, that I also thought was great about this is. This film gave Mysterio a hero theme, which was pretty fun. And then they just twisted that hero theme a little bit at this point for it to suddenly be the villain theme. And that was really, really cool um, that he has this light motif that goes from light to dark as the film goes on, as the, the twist is revealed. Um, but the the oversized imagery, the snow globe, the statue, um, the, the voice... The, the hearing Mysterio's voice um, threatening him and mocking him, like, and and all of that done just to disorient him, just to get him not knowing what's going on to finally get what he needs out of him. It was just, man, it's so well done oh, and just and visually so stunning. 
real quick, let me add, really cool when you see him going in and out of the actual yes. perspective of what's happening, where mm -hmm. it's Quentin in the mocap suit just walking around in a in like in a like a construction site, and then it's back to the illusion. Mm -hmm. It's just so well done. It's disorienting. It's uh, you you feel the confusion that that Peter is feeling in this scene. Mm -hmm. uh, it's visually really inventive and creepy, and mm -hmm. unlike anything else you would see in a Spider-Man movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like some of the imagery, and I don't know if if you look, you see like references to the Avengers in there, mm -hmm. uh, like they're fighting on Cap's shield at one point. Uh, then you see Tony's grave, and you've got the Iron Man zombie coming out, which looks like it's straight out of the Marvel Zombies comics, which I think is really cool. And when the spiders crawl out of his eyes and then it zooms in on the spider and then all of a sudden the spider's eight eyes are now Mysterio's fishbowl heads. Uh, you know, it's it's really, really great stuff. It, it's it's as trippy as anything in Doctor Strange, um, but easier to follow, I guess, I guess, in some way, because it's not just uh, weird. Um, yeah, it's it's deliberately like psychologically weird it's like tweaking peter's you know insecurities mm -hmm. i think it makes more sense because you know at this point that he uses illusion tech whereas when you're watching dr strange and like the actual dr strange movie where you're just being introduced to all of those concepts uh -huh. you literally have no idea what the rules of that universe right. are yeah yet. well and so i also think it does imagery better because it it uses really recognizable figures to ground you in those things. Whereas a lot of the stuff in Doctor Strange, because of the kaleidoscope effect, you yeah. are lost most of the time. But I don't think I'm ever lost in the sequence. I'm always just like, oh, this is where we are now. But I don't ever feel like, oh, I have no idea what's going on, which I feel mm -hmm. a lot when I'm watching Doctor Strange. Yeah, and I don't think it's yeah. a bad thing for Doctor Strange. I think Doctor Strange is supposed to be psychedelic and strange sure, and weird. Right. But, but for this... And it's also great because I thought, you know, getting a Mysterio who uses illusions to create these threats to fake superhero fight, you know, that, that would have been great. But to actually get a straight up real Mysterio illusion sequence, mm -hmm. you know, we needed that. Or we would have been robbed if we had not gotten that. It yes. would have been a shame to have used Mysterio and but not done that. It's the kind of thing that I have been conditioned and this franchise and this podcast we're doing is starting to uncondition me. But the kind of thing that I have been conditioned to think that filmmakers don't care about, don't think is important, will just leave out. And they bothered to put it here. And they didn't just put it in. They did just a phenomenally perfect job with it. Yeah. I also think it's cool how they... I mean, it's it's tough to look at this scene and not be amazed by all the visuals here. But a lot of I really appreciate a, a lot of what they do about highlighting all of Peter's fears. Right? They do a really good job of showing you. I mean, because like they allude to some of this stuff at this point in the movie about his um, feelings about Tony Stark and how sad he is about that, that Tony is gone and how much he cares for MJ and sort of a lot of these feelings, but they really highlight them during the scene and make them very clear for the viewer. And I think that's also really cool. And also what immediately follows a snow globe, which is the next bait and switch of this whole movie where Nick Fury shows up um, and with a gunshot, the illusion suddenly disappears 
While Beck falls to the ground and Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. descend on the area, Fury presses a still-startled and distorted Peter on who he told about Beck, and Peter tells him about Ned and MJ, and then maybe Betty. With this admission, Fury fades away, revealed to be Beck in yet another illusion. The drones create another fake reality around Parker, while Beck tells Peter he really is sorry, but now all his friends have to die. The illusion disappears. Yeah, hold on for a second. I just <laughs> did all of that just to then pretend to die, to troll him into trusting him, and then that too was an illusion. Like, it's just, it's just so well done. Mm-hmm. I also, this is on. only mildly related, but I, I one of my notes here is that no one rolls their eyes better than Samuel L. Jackson. He does more <laughs> with an eye roll than most actors yeah. can do. With you know, I, w- I watched Jackie Brown today, so I can, uh, yes, correct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the illusion disappears, and Spider-Man, having been backed onto the tracks by Mysterio's illusions, is hit by a speeding train, which is... Such a crazy scene to watch Spider-Man just get hit by a train. It is mm-hmm. very same, right? Like he just gets like taken out. Uh, Beck tells Edith to reroute Parker's class trip to London. Parker survives the collision, climbs onto the train, and passes out. Parker wakes up with his shield costume gone in a jail in the Netherlands. Borrowing a local cell phone, he gets a hold of Happy Hogan to come rescue him. I love him. Those nice guys in the jail. Yeah, the, they're like football fans, right? Yeah. Welcome to the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I love when they walk by, the guard has on his, his mm-hmm. tactical mask, and he goes, uh-huh, night monkey. uh-huh, night monkey. <laughs> <laughs> so and then when he gets out of the cell, they close the cell and sit back down. <laughs> uh-huh. And the guy asks if they're all right. Yeah. Like and not in a in a mean way. Like, are you guys all right? He's like, are you guys all right in there? <laughs> They're all very friendly. Yeah, that's how people are in the Netherlands. Uh, <laughs> when Parker sees Happy, he is still disoriented and panicked by his encounter with Mysterio. But Hogan is able to convince Peter he is not an illusion. Aboard a Stark jet speeding to London, Peter expresses his regret over not living up to Iron Man. Happy tells Peter no one is Iron Man, but one of the few things Tony Stark never second-guessed was picking, pe- picking Peter as his replacement. Goodness. <laughs> Happy opens a workstation in the back of the jet that Peter uses to build himself a new Spider-Man suit. Real quick. Did anyone look at the suits in the background there? One of them is one of them the Velocity suit and one of them the Anti-Electro suit. And the PS4 suit is in there, too. Yes, yes, and the PS4 suit. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. I know most people played with the, like, traditional Spider-Man suit in the Spider-Man PS4 game, but I used the PS4 suit for the whole... basically the whole game. I switched to the Spider-Man Homecoming. Outfit. I was... So I, I used that for a while. while. What were you saying, Chris? I was saying I used the homecoming suit for a while, but then once I got the 1960s cell shaded yes, one, I used yes. that one. There you go. I used the 60s cell shaded one a lot. Um, I, used... I used Spider Punk a lot too. Oh yeah. I, I, when I when I think of Spider Punk, I think of Peach is playing it. Um, <laughs> I used Ben Riley a lot, so I used mm. the Scarlet Spider a lot. That's um, a good costume. 
really I mostly used Scarlet Spider 1960s, um, the classic. And then for a little while I used the Tobey Maguire one just for fun. Oh yeah, and, once they added that. And that, that one was, was funny cool. because when I was using the Tobey Maguire one, at one point I landed at the spot where he drops off MJ in the movie when, you know, he, he first rescues her from Green Goblin in their cross neck cathedral. I don't know New York. I don't know where that is. Um, oh. I think it's I think it's Saxon Fifth. I think it's um <laughs> Rockefeller Center. Um, yeah, 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 I think it is. He, he drops her off there. But I didn't do that on purpose. I'm just playing with the Toby Maguire suit and I land on one of those gardens and I look around like and like my brain goes, this is familiar. Why is this familiar? And they like, <laughs> I just panned the camera around until I was just, just the right angle for Peter Parker to say, you know, uh, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and then jump away. I'm like, oh, okay. But anyway, that's, well, that's the, why. <laughs> that is our Spider-Man costume tangent. Chris, thank you for doing my homework for me. <laughs> Peter explains to Happy that he has a sixth sense he's going to use to get through Mysterio's projections. And though it hasn't worked well lately, it is working just fine now. In the notes, it says, Peaches discuss the Peter Tingle. So, Peaches discuss the Peter Tingle. <laughs> Peaches discusses the Pinger, Peter, the Pinger Tingle. It's a okay, lot You're projecting this, this mispronunciation of P words onto me. Okay. I don't, again, have a ton to say about this What? Oh, boy. I didn't say Anyways. All, all I wanted to say about this is that, um, like, I know they're not allowed to call it a spider sense right now, um, but I enjoy the the Peter Tingle. Why are you pointing at me? Are they not allowed to call it a yeah, spider sense? Yeah, do you know that? I couldn't find anything on any. I've never any heard that before. That. Would, you, would you imagine that they wouldn't if they were allowed? Like, if they were allowed to call it the spider sense, why wouldn't they? The only stuff I, I could find was they wanted. <laughs> in the first movie to distance themselves from spider sense. I feel like it's probably one of the things that they are restricted from saying. I, I I just thought they were just joking, you know, just kind of like how, you know, they haven't said with great power. They haven't talked about uncle Ben specifically, but you know, it's all there. They've alluded to it in one way or another. And I just feel like it was like, we've done so many movies where he talks about a spider sense Let's let's have a little bit of fun with it and call it a Peter Tingle. Because you would that makes think me laugh. That, you would think though at some point when sh- when the two people in the movie that chastise him by calling it a Peter Tingle, he would in defense be like, "It's Spider Sense, guys, come on!" Like something along those lines. I feel like they're like we're not allowed to use it. I, I mean, I I would think that they would say that, but I don't see any reason they can't use it. Yeah, yeah, I I don't see. I I'm trying to imagine why that would be something they would restrict. It's not like it's a trademarked phrase, and if it's trademarked, then Marvel would be the ones to own the trademark, not Sony. I I, highly suggest no no one use the words trademark or copyright during this podcast if you do not want to hear an earful of my wife, because God forbid you use it in the wrong context, and she will be right there to tell you. If you're here, you listen to Bailey Tingle? Marvel. And, and yeah, Bailey tingled already all over the, <laughs> the differences between trademark and copyright. Anyway, not to derail you, continue talking about the Peter Tingle. All, all I wanted to say is that the Peter Tingle thing is funny. I like that it's brought up as a joke. Um, and I like that the two people that chastise him about it are Happy and Aunt May. I think those are two great characters to like, like I can see Aunt May 
calling it that because she thinks it's cool because she's an aunt, you know, like <laughs> it's just one of those things that you said. And then she talks about it with happy and calls it that in conversation, just in, in random conversation. You know, I can see it as being just something that like your family members use to like nag on you. You know, it yeah. feels very mm-hmm. like a term that's very bonding. But other than the fact that like the term is funny that they use, I really like when it comes back to him, like when it fully comes back to him at the end of the movie, um, when Mysterio puts him in that hallway um, and he just that's another scene that's just so beautiful. And I'm sorry for talking about it now because we're not there yet. But Mm-mm. in the very final confrontation scene with Mysterio, when he uh, he makes the illusion of Peter in the long hallway and he's just like his Peter Tingles firing on all cylinders. And it's so cool to watch him like dodge and punch and flip and like go in and out of windows and grab a drone and do a front flip and slam it into another drone while this illusion is going on. And I think it was a very cool scene to show like, yo, spider sense is in full force. Let's go bitches. I just think it was really well done. And I like that. Um, there was, there was reference to it in this movie. Um, and probably more so than in any other movie. He's got that moment in Endgame where his hair stands up, his arm hair stands up. Um, but other than that, it's not really discussed too much. Well, and in Civil War, he becomes aware of um, something. Bucky throws at him, turns around, and, and deals with yeah. him. Yeah, um, but it's just like mm-hmm. tiny little things in the other movies, and it's a, yeah. like a small focal right. point in this movie. So, and I'm glad you brought it up because this was actually going to be something that I definitely want to discuss with this episode. Is so I agree, and I like how well it was used in this film, even if they gave it a weird name. Um, I liked how well it was used. It does kind of remind me of how weird it is that they had to. Um, it seems pretty obvious because there was discussion around the first film of, you know, hey, we, we thought Spider-Sense was weird and we're not going to use it and we're kind of trying to be different. And that was weird in that film, not only because it's one of his most iconic powers, but because he had it in the Avengers movies. And so it was strange to then like not have it. And we already discussed this in Homecoming. And so I didn't. <laughs> that's true i forgot you weren't there um it seems pretty obvious to me that part of why they used it in this film is because they realized oh we kind of screwed up not really having spider sense and homecoming so let's have spider sense here and far from home and then so that ended up meaning it kind of needed to be a plot point so they could kind of like not make it weird that ah, there was no spider sense now there is they they kind of had to make it a plot point that is kind of weird and unfortunate to me but that said everything you just said is correct the way they made it a plot point the way they, I'm going to be blunt, the way they fixed their mistake, I thought was very, very, very well done. Um, and it's an excellent, it's excellent the way they used it as part of the film. And Mysterio is the perfect foil to kind of bring that out of him. So I, I thought it was yeah. great. Here's a weird question. I I am under the impression, and, and, and maybe the beginning of the movie, like, brought it up just as a joke um, and wasn't trying to be that serious about it. When, when Aunt May is like, Yo, what's wrong with your Peter Tingle? Because she throws a banana at him. I was under the impression that the spider sense only activates when he is in danger. It It's one of those things that's kind of a uh, whatever the writer of that movie or comic or, or cartoon or video game wants it to be. For the most Got part, it. yes, it's he senses danger. 
um, it seems in the films, in these films, they're using it almost more like the Force, which is fine. I'm not going to... Like precognition almost for all things. It it really is almost kind of precognition in the comics a lot, but it kind of varies just how fine-tuned it is. But yes, for the most Mm -hmm. part, it's he senses danger and... But I for that reason, I took that scene as, of course, the spider sense isn't going to work. The banana will not hurt him. <laughs> and you're not wrong. That is absolutely something that is done in the comics at times. In the comics at times, it's um, I, my spider sense didn't go off because it was in that situation would be because my beloved aunt was throwing a harmless object at me. My spider sense. Yeah. Go, and that's literally a plot point they use that his spider sense doesn't go off because it's someone he trusts or someone who isn't a danger or that sort of stuff. And then there's other times where it's no spider sense tells him that an object is coming. And I don't remember there was a comic where he could literally sense that a guy had a gun. The guy wasn't an imminent danger to Spider-Man. He just knew that that man had a gun and guns are dangerous. So it's. That's too far, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, There are people that use spider sense better than others. And honestly, I think this film is did a good job of it. But in this film, it is kind of more of a it seems more of like a a spatial futuristic sense sort of like. uh sort of like the force which is it's fine but i also absolutely think you're correct it, spider sense has been used in ways that like you said aunt may throwing a banana at him wouldn't trigger it because that's not a danger yeah but that's all i've got peter tingle out no i'm glad you said it i, I agree <laughs> yeah in london the school group lands and climbs aboard a tour bus driven by a member of mysterio's crew another magnetic pulse alert shield to a new elemental fury and hill watch from a high-rise office while mysterio flies outside and tells them this one looks bigger than ever from a bridge in the distance quentin beck organizes his group over radio confirms the avengers are not coming and has the drones activate weapons and projections to start the attack of london happy contacts fury and tells him he found fury's surfboard Edith locates the school group and Beck tells her to start a kill order on them once the attack starts. The driver leaves the bus parked on the London Bridge. A massive elemental made up of storm elements appears over the bridge and starts to destroy the area as the group runs away. Happy and Spider-Man reach London. With Spidey in a new suit, he jumps from the jet directly into the elemental and sees the drones creating the projection. Also, the Spider-Man with the, like, hover, not hover, but, like, gliding webs is cool. Yeah, I forgot that's in this. Oh, man, that's so happy. That makes me so happy. Yeah. Spider-Man starts webbing the drones together to mess with their formation. Beck notices, finds Peter inside the elemental, and tells William to kill the projection in a fit of rage. A drone decloaks in front of Nick Fury's location, but is shot down by a prepared Agent Hill with a missile launcher. Happy finds the kids with, uh, while drones, now unhidden, chase the kids. The drones destroy the jet, so they are forced to hide in the Tower of London. MJ is able to destroy a drone, but another traps the group in an armory and starts to break down the door. Using a wide array of swinging moves, Spider-Man manages to take out a majority of Beck's drones, weaving through the air and dodging weapons with incredible skill. Spider-Man runs out of webbing before all of the drones are destroyed, but manages to locate Beck. Rigging one of the drones into ex- uh, to an explosive and using their pressure cannon against as a springboard, Peter manages to destroy more drones without the need of weapons and launches himself to the bridge with Beck. Peter demands the glasses back, 
and Beck uses Edith to call several drones to his defense, hiding them in another projection of darkness and green smoke. Using his spider sense, Spider-Man is able to move through the illusion, dodging drones, drone attacks and destroying them to get near Beck. The drones stop firing as Edith tells Beck he is too close and could get hit. Beck angrily tells her to fire all weapons anyway and is hit by a stray bullet. As Beck lays on the ground and tells Peter he's such a good person that it's a weakness, he hands Edith over to Parker. Before Parker can take the glasses, he reaches up and grabs thin air as a gunshot goes off. The Beck on the ground disappears for the last... No, not even the last bait and switch because we get one more. Uh, Mm -hmm. The... Uh, the next bait and switch as the real one is revealed to have been holding a gun to Peter's head, which Parker grabbed before it could go off telling Beck, you can't trick me anymore. Parker puts on Edith and tells her to execute all the drone procedures. The drones threatening London and Peter's classmates return to their base. As Beck dies with Edith saying all the illusions are down. He tells Peter people will believe anything these days. William downloads the program to a thumb drive as he and all of Mysterio's crew silently disappear now at the end of endgame i felt a little exhausted we had gone through all of the mcu and at, at this point i am just i'm fatigued right we have we've been through all of these movies and infinity war and endgame in particular are both so such heavy movies right there are so much that this movie felt like the perfect palate cleanser, the perfect return to what the beginning of an of, a, of an era of the MCU can be. Because that's what this feels like to me. It feels like sort of this like bookmark, this sort of the bridge between the MCU of old and the MCU of new. And it's clear that they're all they are assigning roles to certain members of the MCU to be sort of successors of the original MCU. It is very clear to me that Spider-Man is supposed to be the new Iron Man, right? Like they, they have even said as much in this movie to me. It is very clear that you could uh, flip flop, which one is going to be Thor and which one is going to be Captain America between Captain Marvel and black Panther. It's clear that those are the, the, the focal points of the next phase of the MCU. But Spider-Man is so important because the stories that he tells and the story that he's telling right here are so grounded and they're so, they're so not small in comparison because this is an entire attack on London, but they feel so, so much closer to home, which is really funny to say because the movie is called far from home. (laughs) (laughs) it also feels like its own contained thing and that's weird to say because the mcu is littered throughout this movie but it also feels like its own thing that can stand on its own without the mcu which i don't think you've been able to say for a while because everything especially with the previous movies before this all felt like it was like well this is the movie that's supposed to be doing this for the mcu and this is the movie that's supposed to be doing this whereas this movie feels like it is pushing the story of Spider-Man forward and nothing else. And the closest we get to pushing the excuse me, the MCU forward is the last post-credit scene. So I think this is a, this movie is a perfect palate cleanser for the end of Endgame to sort of move forward in the next phase of whatever shape the MCU takes. Yeah, I like what they ended with. I like and I like how it's it's so up in the air of, of what could 
not only is it up in the air because it's like, oh, Spider-Man's identity is revealed. What's going to happen now? It's up in the air because you never know how Disney and Sony are going to play. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think everything you said is right, Eduardo. I just, for me, I have those feelings you have, but I also have a lot of anxiety over if it's even going to actually work. Because um, it's almost like a complete reboot at this point. Um, with characters that I think I care a lot about prior to these films, but I haven't necessarily cared that much about their films uh, yet, at least to the degree of the original MCU characters. But part of that anxiety is exactly what Peaches just said, is are they going to keep being Spider-Man movies? Are they going to be in this universe? Um, part of it is, is Captain Marvel too powerful? Like, what's the point of Captain Marvel in movies? Is you either got to hand wave her out of the film so that everyone has some sort of uh, adversity, or you've got to come up with a reason that Captain Marvel is not, you know, a living deus ex machina. Um, and then we have, and then most of the other characters we have left over. Um, I, I like Black Panther, but I think Black Panther is more interesting dealing with his country in this universe. I think he's more interest, uh, interesting in his country rather than as an Avenger. Um, and my mind can be changed on that, but it just gives me, I'm not, I'm not, not looking forward to it. I'm just not necessarily perfectly excited and believing it's all going to work out. If that makes sense. Cause you've been right every time so. you've worried so far. Yeah. I, yes. I can't believe y'all doubt. I don't mean y'all like all of you. I just can't believe mm-hmm. anyone doubt the future of the MCU at this point. Like they could, they could release uh, that the next movie is going to be the most like off the wall, random D list comic book character that you've ever heard of. And oh, the they Eternals. Would... Yeah, yep. you might be right. You might be right. The Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep, they've yeah. already done it. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it, it's hard to like doubt them at this point. It's and and because of that, it might be a little sad if they do end up disappointing us mm-hmm. because I don't know, like when Thor two came out, we hadn't gotten deep enough into the MCU to be so hurt that it wasn't the greatest movie, but I almost <laughs> feel like it would hurt even more now if they made another Thor two. Right. You know, I agree. Or, and, and so I think the, the idea of the palate cleanser is good because it kind of, you know, it, it metaphorically wipes the slate clean and they can do what they need to from here. But I don't think that I don't think that there's any warrant of lacking trust. <laughs> Other than maybe Sony won't play nice. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I just think this movie is just such a good coda to the Infinity Saga. I know you can and about like is it part of phase three is it something else and i feel like it's got one foot in phase three and one foot in phase four i see after seeing the movie i was like okay i get why they were calling this the end of phase three even though endgame is you know really the the climax that it had all been building to but far from home kind of wraps up some of those things and does it really nicely and even kind of has a couple meta winks to like at the beginning uh, in that all the heroes are dead and we missed the montage. Betty says, now we're moving on to a new phase of our lives. And 
there was the there's the poster in the background in New York in the end where there's a construction project and the construction wall has phase one, phase two, phase three, and then a circle with a question mark in it. Underneath it, it says, we can't wait to show you what's coming next. So it's like very much like, hey, and now we're moving on to phase phase four and we still don't know what it looks like. We should, but we don't. And even when we do finally get our first phase four movie, it's set in phase three. <laughs> so True. True. So we even have a little bit longer to wait to see what the future of the MCU yeah. is like. I want to watch that movie so damn oh, badly. Man. Come on. Same. I'm just so excited. Give it to me. Mm-hmm. Give me the movie. Give me what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Peter reunites with MJ on the bridge below, and MJ confirms she wasn't only interested in him because he's Spider-Man and the two kiss. Nick Fury meets with Happy Hogan, indicating the surfboard call. Okay, let me back up just one second, because I want to talk about Spider-Man and MJ having a kiss because I like that they're teenagers and it's clear that neither of them are experienced in kissing anyone. Right. (laughs) Like it's a very awkward high school type kiss and it's so innocent. Right. And it feels Mm -hmm. so genuine. It's not like in most movies where you get this and it's like they kiss for the first time and they have this intense makeout session where they both look like they've been making out with people for the past 20 years, right? Like it's upside down in the rain. Exactly. Makeout bros. It's just like two kids that are just, you know, doing the best they can with what they have. (laughs) Also, I found it like. I know that they both just went through a lot of traumatic experiences, but I thought to myself this time, it'd be really weird to kiss somebody whose mouth was all bloody. Yeah. Yes. But it's also probably (laughs) like, this person's mouth is all bloody. They could die at any moment. I need to kiss them now before it's too late. He survived getting hit by a train. She doesn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) she went there for the train. (laughs) That was an illusion, Robbie. I know it was hard to follow. (laughs) That wasn't the real MJ. Yeah, MJ did not actually fall off the Eiffel Tower. I don't know if you... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nick Fury meets with Happy Hogan, indicating the surfboard call was a coded message to alert Fury to Mysterio's duplicity. Okay. Appearances can be deceiving. Is the surfboard call an illusion that Happy knows where Fury is? Because when we see Fury, he's on like a beachfront. Possibly. See, I thought that the point of it was him saying, well, they said they have Nick Fury's surfboard. People said Nick Fury doesn't have a surfboard. And I said, appearances can be deceiving. I think that was supposed to be the hint. That's how I took it, at least. But what if? Yeah, I'm not sure what the relevance was to the story. I thought it was just like a... I thought Happy was just a bad liar. (laughs) (laughs) Fury wants to talk to Parker, but Happy says he'll call him when he's ready. Though Ned and Betty break up, the students all return home safely. And then Ned became the Hobgoblin. I wonder. There's so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get credits. Oh, we broke up. The way they say that together. <laughs> You're so wise. <laughs> A 16-year-old calling another 16-year-old wise is hilarious to me. (laughs) We all thought we were. Yeah. 
I'm profound and deep and no one understands feelings but me. <laughs> How could this happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I could stand for you guys right now. Yeah. Uh... We get is that how you lose it every time I play that on stream? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm, glad I'm hearing this right now. Dear Mysterio, please. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Dear Mysterio, Mr. I'm too Go good to, to call her right, my fans. <laughs> <laughs> MJ, go to the Tower Bridge. Look at the glass walkway up above. I'm so sorry. So sorry. <laughs> it's so dumb. Uh, it's such a dumb song. <laughs> <laughs> credits. We get the mid-credit scene. Uh, Spider-Man takes MJ on a swing over Midtown Manhattan after they land, and MJ says she never wants to do that again. A breaking news broadcast from the Daily Bugle appears on a big screen hosted by J.K. Simmons playing J. Jonah Jameson. The only man in my eyes that can play J. Jonah Jameson anymore. The only one. It is so good. Uh, he, It's like he never stopped playing the role. He uh-huh. just steps right into it. And I love that they call him some sort of like because the, the the Spider-Man game already did this, where they like made him into more of like an Alex Jones Infowars style, uh-huh. and this sort of leans into that too. That he's like an extreme, you know, news yeah. outlet, and there he's more of like a DailyBugle.net right. is a controversial, like presumably far right, right, Breitbart type website. Exactly. You know? Um. Oh my gosh. Jameson plays footage put together by Mysterio, splicing footage together to make it seem like he was killed by Spider-Man. Mysterio then reveals Peter Spider-Man's identity as Peter Parker. What the f- <laughs> When Jay when Jay Jonah Jameson showed up, I sh- literally shot out of my seat in the theater. And then looked around and realized I was also not the only person that literally shot out of my seat in the theater. I mean, that was another, like, it wasn't really a twist, but it was another, like, crazy reveal. Because as soon as they started talking about J. Jonas Jameson, the first thing in probably any of our heads is, who the hell is going to be playing J. Jonah Jameson? Mm -hmm. And you don't even have time to finish that thought before it's J.K. Simmons again. And you're like... (gasps) Dreams come true. Because I, I mean, I, I know we think we're all in the same boat. I, there is documented evidence on the internet of me years ago saying, you know, like when they first, when Sony and Marvel first started to play nice. I think the first thing I tweeted was, "Hey, get J.K. Simmons. He's the only one." And then when he got cast as Commissioner Gordon, I said, "This better not keep him from being able to play J. Jonah Jameson." And I actually. I think we've talked on this show about how I accidentally spoiled Solo because I saw a vague tweet. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I saw a vague tweet before Spider-Man that did not spoil. I, I didn't put together what it meant until afterwards because all it said was, how did they keep that a secret? And my brain was thinking of all these other things of like crazy reels it could be. And it, and it wasn't until after the movie that I realized they were talking about that. Um, but I remember... <laughs> This is my favorite 
credit scene, I think, quite probably, in, in the Marvel Same. movies, all of them. Because, again, because I've just wanted J.K. Simmons back so much. But we're sitting in the theater, and when the guy says, controversial website, thedailybugle.net, I gasped. I gasped so loud, and I sat up in my chair, and you should ask Angela about it. Um, and then it cuts right to him. And he goes, that's right, folks. And he's like, no one says the word mm-hmm. Spider-Man like J.K. Simmons. Yes, Spider-Man. He puts some sort of Spider-Man. Like, there's some sort of, like, tilt in the voice. And he goes, Spider-Man. I don't, I can't even do it. But I just, like, got the biggest grin comparable <laughs> to how I looked when Darth Vader went crazy at the end of Rogue One. That was exactly what my face looked like. That's exactly Bobby, how I you felt. Get me. That's yeah. exactly how this mid-credit ceiling felt. It felt exactly the same as Darth I'm Vader. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat like this. <gasps> yes. yes, that's exactly how I felt. Was Darth Vader turning on his lightsaber just before open fire? Like that's how uh-huh. I felt. <laughs> oh my gosh! And then, of course, them revealing Peter Parker. Spider-Man's name is Peter Parker. That is a whole other thing that leaves you with yeah. the what are they gonna do now? Right. Oh. Should have kept your mask on, idiot. I've been telling you that for several movies. I mean, we were trying to tell well, people that right now, and they still don't listen. So, <laughs> ooh, ooh. topical. Wear a mask, idiots. <laughs> Chris, yes. How awkward would a Sony Marvel breakup be at oh this point? So, this movie really feels like it's positioning Spider-Man to be a big part of the MCU. And I remember even at the time thinking, well, that's risky. Because I had this just feeling that, you know, we don't, I would, we didn't know the terms of Sony and, and Marvel. I almost said Sony and Microsoft, other end company. Sony and Marvel's deal. We didn't really know what the terms of their deal was, how long it was supposed to last. I was like, I think it's done. And they're now have to negotiate for the future. But um, I, the same person who tweeted that, the thing about how they hide that also said this movie is daring Sony like fine break up see where that leaves you and then they did and then they did and how like they, they're calling him the next Iron Man I, I I never thought that he could actually fill the like the central importance that Tony Stark had to the first three phases of the MCU uh, so, so I don't see in that, but he is clearly being set to be a big part of it. Um, I would also argue that the lesson that he learns in this movie is that he's not Tony Stark, he's Peter Parker, and that that's what Tony Stark saw in him was that, you know, you're not like me. He even says it in Homecoming, he goes, don't do anything I would do, don't do anything I wouldn't do. <laughs> you know, he, he wants him to be better than him. And I think that's the lesson that Peter learns in this movie is that, He's not going to be the next Iron Man. He's going to be Spider-Man. And the world needs Spider-Man. Um, but, you know, Happy has the line when they're talking on the plane. He goes, I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you'd be here when he was gone. Or something to that extent. And then it really looked like he wasn't going to be here when he was gone. Uh, and gosh, it's like, how do you hand wave that away? Like, how do you just say, and then we never... T- Spider-Man's true identity was revealed and we never talked about him again. But he has Tony Stark's magic sunglasses, so he's out there. I don't know. Like, I, like 
I don't know what they could have done. I don't know how the Sony, like the Sony Spider-Man movies would have had to move on and suddenly never talk about his time at the Avengers. Never talk about what an influence Tony Stark was. He can never talk to Happy again. You know, all these things couldn't happen in the Spider-Man movies. And then on the other hand, in the MCU, there are these massive events that they now could not reference. They wouldn't be able to talk about the things that happened in the Spider-Man movies. They just have to go on. What happened to that kid? We don't talk about him. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. It, it, it I, I just don't see how it could have done. And now they, they, they made up. It was great. Bob Iger called uh, Tom Holland while he was drunk at a pub and, uh, and they hashed things out and, and, and we're all grateful for that. And now it looks like we're getting this weird hybrid universe because Sony has been going on and on with their plans that they've been threatening for years of making a non-Spider-Man Spider-Man universe. Yes, uh, making a vent. What? I don't get it. Yeah. Like let's make a Venom movie, but without Spider-Man, you know, that's right. like a character whose core concept is his hatred of Spider-Man. Make and is literally okay. evil version of Spider-Man. Yes, That's no like Spider-Man. making a Bizarro movie and never referencing Superman <laughs> or something. I don't know. Like right. that was a weird example. I don't, I don't know why it's the one I thought weird. of. No, it's perfect though. It yeah. Works. yeah, yeah. I mean, it really, it really is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if we just pretended Wario was not the bad version of Mario and was just <laughs> right. this right. weird greedy guy, <laughs> you know? Um, they kind of yeah, do that I, in the WarioWare get... games. Yeah, but but he's already been established as as like it's like a continuous. Oh, well, I don't know. Right. We don't need to get into the weeds. I think Wario, a good comparison is deep like, Wario uh, lore. No, we need to go off on the Wario lore now. <laughs> the, the, time, that's where this podcast. Is going. It's the way right. um, oh, uh, J.K. Rowling treats. I know J.K. Rowling treats the Fantastic <laughs> Beast movie. Like, what's the point of having a Harry Potter movie without Harry Potter? Especially with the work that has already been done in some of these movies. Like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But so, so they made Venom, and then they're like, "Oh, and also we're going to make Madam Web, and we're going to make, uh, you know, a Black Cat I movie." They, were doing Madam Web. they are doing Madam Web, um, uh, uh, right? Yeah. What's the right? point of any of that without Spider Man? Yeah, uh, Black Cat and Silver Sable, uh, Morbius. But then, oh right! But then, the, um, when we name? finally get the trailer for Morbius, who show? Well, first of all, we see a Spider-Man, a wanted poster with Spider-Man on it in the background, and then Michael freaking Keaton, Adrian Toomes is at the end of the trailer. Does that is mean he, that Morbius is technically MCU now? They never say it. They, they never say it, but it's clearly meant to make you think, oh, he's Vulture. My God, he's a vulture. Um, huh. And so uh, when when Sony and Marvel made up, uh, one of the things Feige said in the statement was that Spider-Man has the power to, uh, he said he's the only superhero with the power to travel between cinematic universes, which seemed to, to me what that meant was they had come to some kind of agreement where Tom Holland's Spider-Man can also appear in these Sony movies now, which means that technically they're part of the MCU, I guess. So you're telling me that the sim- the Venom symbiote calling Eddie Brock a pussy 
is part of the MCU. No. You just made Ooh. me wait. And I already was nervous. <laughs> That's so weird. You know how they could um, ship that, though, is you just call one of them Earth 616 and you call the other one Earth any other number. Yeah, but the, 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 it's Sony's universe of Marvel characters is what they call it. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Man, that spells suck. <laughs> oh no it doesn't i'm sorry it's not but sunk. it's very close it's, it's close to scum um <laughs> yeah um but you know it's it's weird like if tom holland appears is he playing the same spider-man um i i, I don't know uh how much input is feige and the and the marvel brain trust gonna have on this because it's not if they're supposed to be at least tangential, tangentially related, there can't be anything that shakes up the status quo too much. Also, are these movies, are all the Sony movies now taking place in a post-blip world? You know, there's, there's just a lot of questions. Uh, J.K. Simmons has said he's already filmed another bit as, as, as Jameson. Was it for Morbius or Venom 2? I... Ugh, I... Or is he going to be in Black Widow, the other Spider-themed hero? Man, I, <laughs> I have, I have, I don't have a lot of faith in Morbius. Yeah. No. Mostly because I don't have a lot of faith in Jared Leto outside of 30 Seconds to Mars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that and who cares about Morbius, really? I'm, I'm sorry for all the Morbius fans out there. I could it's going to be one Morbius, Morbius fan who's a listener. Like I could be interested in a Blade Morbius addition to like I think you could yeah. do it, but it's not. Mm-hmm. But we're already getting Blade with with Mahershala. Yeah, and that's going to be badass. What if what if they actually end up debuting Blade in the Morbius movie and we're all like, what? <laughs> like didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah it would be interesting if they start intertwining more. Yeah. But that's about the only way I get interested in Morbius is if he's tied into Blade. And no offense, yeah. but I'm also not that interested in Blade unless he's tied into the larger picture as well. It's... Yeah. Well, don't we assume Blade will be tied into yeah. the larger oh, picture? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so that means that I'm interested in Blade because he's part of the larger universe. And then I'm interested in Morbius only if he can be somehow attached to Blade. So he's like a tertiary level of interest. It's uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Um yeah, I don't know. It's it's you know, I remember people like after Far From Home came out, people were speculating, oh, Norman Osborne is gonna be the next big bad, and I never thought that was the case because I'm like, that's too complicated. I said there are so many things that they would have to work out with another movie studio to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can't I mean, in a perfect world, yes, Norman Osborne should be a threat to the Marvel universe at large. But I just don't see that happening because it's it's messy, right? And I think it's going to be Doctor Doom, by the way. I think yeah, and it should be Doctor Doom. Yes, I think now with everything in all their ducks in a row, they're going to get someone who can write Doctor Doom in a film in a good way. Uh huh. You get Doctor Doom, which eventually leads up to a Galactus movie that brings the Avengers back. It makes sense if Black Panther is a central character. Yes, and we're gonna 
possibly have some more Fantastic Four. Since we are already on a sideways tangent, for my birthday, <laughs> my wife got me the Secret Wars graphic novel. The the, the... that is cuckoo bananas. You must have oh, that's Secret Wars. Get that. The what? <laughs> you must have a really good friend that told her to get that. I must have. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Doom becomes God. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's not like there's no. That's it. That's the whole comic. Doctor Doom becomes that's God. <laughs> Dang. It is. Yeah, I actually wild. The entire. Yes. There. I started to read that, including all of the tie-ins. I had this thing that told me exactly what order to read all the tie-ins. And I got halfway through, and I would like to get back to it someday. But it's a daunting task because every single comic ended up tying into it because it was them rebuilding the Marvel Universe. Mm -hmm. Reassembling it piece by piece. Comic by comic. (laughs) Book by book, yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah, Doctor Doom makes for some great stories. I agree. Yeah, I think Doom is is great. And, And the fact that he is literally a doctor whose name is literally Doom, and that's why he's called Dr. Doom. It's not his scary supervillain name. Right. It's respect him. He earned that degree. <laughs> right. And yes, my name oh, is Doom. Used, oh, we're using our made-up names. Yeah. <laughs> no, we are not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's finally get to the post credit scene. Driving okay. away from the destruction, Nick Fury and Maria Hill turn out to be Talos and Soren the Kree. Nope, the scroll. The scroll. I wrote scroll. They would be so offended if you heard that. <laughs> Talos calls Fury to tell him what happened and that he needs Fury's help because people are asking questions he can't answer, like where are the Avengers? The real Fury ignores the call, then wakes up on the beach, which turns out to be a hologram on a Kree space station. Fury tells I, everyone scroll. back to work. It's, me it's a scroll, it's excuse me, me scroll <laughs> space station. Fury tells everyone back to work and also asks for his shoes. We can make a safe assumption that this is probably sword, correct? That's how I took it. Yeah. Sword being, oh, I think we talked about it, right. but the the opposite of shield. Yeah. Yeah. The space version. <laughs> it's of the shield. dog that has the sword in his mouth instead of the dog with the shield for a face. Right. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. Sentient world observation and response department. <laughs> Although it could end up standing for something different in the movie, right. since Shield stands for something different in the movies sure. than the comics. So, so that was it. That was far from home. Let's go into our MVPs, Peaches. We will start with you. Who is your MVP for Spider-Man: Far From Home? Oh, easy choice for this movie. It was the Man of Mystery, but in Italian, Mysterio. Uh, we talked a lot about how you know. It was just something that we wanted to see in a movie. And it really delivered. It it fooled the people that knew he was a bad guy and then questioned if he was a bad guy. And then, ah, he was a bad guy, but you fooled me. Like, it just hit on... It fired on all cylinders. Um, And Jake Gyllenhaal just plays him fantastically. It's really cool that Jake Gyllenhaal is in the MCU. And it's even cooler to me that he's a villain because he doesn't typically play villains in movies. Um, at least most of the ones I've seen, he's not a villain in. Um, so it's cool to see him play this dual role where he is, he is acting as a hero and then he can act well as a villain. I'd all, 
all in all, I just think Mysterio is is the best character in this movie, and that doesn't mean other characters are bad. It, he he just knocks it out of the park. Robbie, you say well, those things that I just said. Yeah, I I mean we've already talked about Mysterio <laughs> enough. Mysterio is my MVP. He's I love this movie, and a significant part of it is finally having a fantastic, authentic take on Mysterio on screen. Um, what I will ask is real quick. What is our conviction level on Mysterio actually being dead, just out of curiosity? Edith confirmed it. No, she said... Edith did not confirm it. Uh, That's true, so he he could... Peter never finished asking the question. He said, is he... And then stopped, and Edith responded by saying all illusions were gone. Yes. Okay, then I'm not convinced. (laughs) Yes. I'm not saying I'm, I'm certain that he's not dead. I'm just saying I'm... Not the doors open just enough. Um, yeah. Eduardo, are you going to go off the beaten path? No, Mysterio, good. Chris, what about you? <laughs> I, I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit. I I was this close to saying Mysterio though, and I'm almost convinced to just say it, just for the way the face he makes when he says, "My name is Mysterio." <laughs> <laughs> like he almost earns it just in that moment. Um, but I'm going to be a little bit different, and I'm going to say Peter Parker because. Tom Holland, again, I think I said this in the last Spider-Man episode, is the perfect Peter Parker and the perfect Spider-Man. And he's the first one to nail both both sides of the equation. And he is the anchor to this movie. As great as Mysterio is, and Mysterio absolutely steals this movie, uh, it's still, I think, the, the heavy lifting emotionally is done by by uh tom holland peter parker um the relationship between him and mysterio when he thinks mysterio is his friend and i and i think that beck really does genuinely have you know fond feelings towards peter i think he likes him and respects him and 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 i think he does you know wish the best for him um until he decides that he's going to kill him uh, but you know that's what happens with supervillains. Um, but the, the fact that I, I just like with Homecoming, they balance the teen movie with the superhero movie so well with the high school, the innocent high school drama. Um, and that's what I like is that it it it, it recaptures some of the innocence of high, and not that high school is always an innocent time, um, but that a superhero who has, as Fury said, been to space and helped save the universe. The fact that one of the scariest things he probably ends up doing in this movie, the thing that he has to psych himself with most for is telling a girl that she looks pretty, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, I think he, it, it's just such a great balance. And I, uh, just like I said with the first Spider movie, I'm glad that movies like this can exist in this cinematic universe. Uh, amidst all the the superhero epic spectacles that we get movies that take time to to be like hey we're gonna throw a completely different genre at you now and and tell a completely different kind of story and and i think that's thanks to peter parker how do we think this movie fits in the mcu i think i've already talked about this a little bit but what do you guys think shows us how the blip hit everyday yeah, you know I mean, society um 
It's like I said earlier, it's Dakota the endgame. Yeah. Yeah. I um I also think at this point in the podcast we start transitioning, I think, to how is this going to fit in the MCU? Where is Spider Man going? Like does anyone have any thoughts on where Spider-Man goes next, who our next villain is, or what we do with Spider-Man, or how this this shapes the larger universe going forward. Well, legally speaking, we know that we are at least getting, like, the terms of the New Deal between Sony and Marvel. Or that there will be at least one more Spider-Man film co-production and Spider-Man will also appear in at least one crossover film. So whether it's going to be a, a straight-up crossover movie, like a, some kind of Avengers-type movie, or if he's going to be in one of the upcoming movies that's already been announced, or maybe one that hasn't been announced yet. Um, I've heard a lot of people speculating that he'll show up in Doctor Strange... Uh, in the multiverse of madness because then they can use some because because comic book fans are always speculating that the multiverse is going to solve any problem that they don't understand how to solve creatively um <laughs> because they're like how are they gonna put the x-men in they'll use the multiverse they're just gonna reboot the x-men that's all I can't run for Wolverine. <laughs> yeah you know it's like it's like you you're just they're just gonna reboot they're just gonna pretend that those other movies don't exist <laughs> That, you know that's that and that's fine that's what they should do they didn't use the multiverse to introduce spider-man uh they didn't use the multiverse when they got daredevil back they they're just going to reboot it that not everything has to be the multiverse now the multiverse can be used well uh we've seen into the spider-verse we'll talk about that next time <laughs> the multiverse <laughs> you know, can and, be used and against you in a court of law yeah. Uh, the rumors that DC is going to be leaning into the multiverse and might be bringing back Michael Keaton as Batman is intriguing to me. <laughs> okay. Had you not heard that one, Robbie? No, but I'm down. Yeah, they're saying that they might bring him, they're in talks to bring him back for the Flashpoint movie. Uh, and that they're going to start exploring that. the multiverse. Uh, kind of like they did on uh, on the CW when they did Crisis there and they brought in various actors from the movies and other tv shows and whatever did they do mark so, hamill trickster uh well not in crisis but he was on the flash oh okay well then like I'm he's gonna... actually been on the flash as they had kevin oh. conroy as bruce wayne oh okay yeah um cool. <laughs> and then ezra uh, i almost said ezra, ezra miller um, was on as the Thank Flash you. in like a, yes. he goes through the Speed Force and he meets the other Flash in the Speed Force. And they're like the yeah. CW Flash and the movie That's Flash are there. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah, like it's it's okay, neat that, that they cool. actually managed to pull that off. Like kudos to them. Um, yeah, so so I'm not saying that the multiverse is a bad concept. It's just I don't think that that should be used to solve every problem. And that's why... And I could be wrong. Maybe it'll be great if he ends up in Doctor Strange. But that, to me, is the least interesting way to use him, I think. Uh, just as a, well, let's do this so we can solve our contract issues later. So we have a way to right. reasonably write out Spider-Man. 
That's not what yeah. I want. But, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, but but we're going to get at least two more Spider-Man, excuse me, Spider-Man appearances in the MCU. And, hell, possibly Spider-Man appearances in the not-MCU. <laughs> in the sunk. Yeah. In the sunk. Yeah, I think it's I think it's easier to try to figure out how the Spider Man how this movie is going to fit into the rest of the Spider Man stuff than it is the MCU. I agree with that. It's just so out in the open, and the movies that are coming out in Phase Four that have been announced don't feel like they really fit together right now. None of them really feel like they are pieces of a puzzle because you've got a bunch of origin stories um, and a bunch of sequels. You know, we've got the Eternals, which at this point have almost nothing to do with anything other than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. references. We've got Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which there's that little clip that we that you guys might have seen where like Trevor is interrogated for impersonating um, the Mandarin. The Mandarin, yeah. Um, but we don't know how Shang-Chi is going to interact with any of these people. We've got a flashback movie with Black Widow, you know, like. All of the Phase 4 announced movies right now feel like they are in, like there's six of them, right? They're in like six different buckets. Yeah, the so, only thing that we're getting that's established uh, besides Thor is Disney Plus shows. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know how it's going to fit into the MCU. Yeah. It'd be cool to speculate, but it feels like nothing going forward is going to fit well with each other. But I don't right. doubt that it will. Like, I don't doubt that it will fit with each other because Marvel is... I almost prefer it that way. I almost prefer that nothing fits until they decide, hey, let's pull some of these characters together to do a crossover. Like, I kind of like the more comic book approach of let's have them all just be their own story and then when we want to do a crossover, we'll do a crossover. And see which characters work and which ones don't, like how fans um, appreciate certain characters more than others and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. So then, related to that, any of you have a particular uh, short wish list or single wish of what villain you want to see in the future Spider-Man film? Oh, I always want a Doc Ock, every time. Yeah, man, that's what I was going to say, and it feels so lame, but I really want mm-hmm. the MCU Dr. Octopus. Yeah. An MCU like, Doc Ock, Ock would be so great. Good. I mean, and I love... I already kind of set up Scorpion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved Alfred Merlina as Doc Ock. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was such a great story that they did in Spider-Man 2. Um, but yeah, it would, be, it would be really cool, because Doc Ock is, you know... You talk about your ultimate right. Spider-Man villains. Not ultimate Spider-Man villains, but ultimate... Right. Spider-Man villains, right. um, Doc Ock and Green Goblin are always the two, yes. and I've seen enough Green Goblin that I'm not really super interested in seeing that. Um, the last one gave me scars. Yeah, yeah that's the that's problem is that the last Green Goblin has scarred me and made me. Yeah, but I I still think I want Jermaine Clement as Craven the Hunter. That's that's my that's my okay. dream. That's right. a very specific dream. That's, that's what so I want. specific. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but go watch the movie oh, peaches as we said to you the other day in your stream go watch the movie what we do in the shadows and yeah then I, we'll... for it. I found out it's it's one of those things we talked about earlier with amazon prime i will uh, i will venmo you 5.99 okay. <laughs> so you can watch it um but watch that movie and you will understand why i think he would be an amazing craven <laughs> okay there's a former 
WWE superstar who was currently vying to try to become a Spider-Man villain in the MCU. And that is why I think it should be Rey Mysterio. The Big Show we already had as Kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> he really wants to play Kingpin. So Vincent he's Lafayette not even big enough to be Kingpin. People brought it up to him, and he was like, if he wants to be Kingpin, let him be Kingpin. Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, okay. So that's cool and all, but I actually really, and I know it'll never happen, I really would actually like the Vincent D'Onofrio Kingpin to encounter Spider-Man. Like, I really, mm-hmm. it's never going to happen. You know, because but, of the animated series, I, I always considered Kingpin a Spider-Man villain. And I, well, he is. Kingpin started me too. Spider-Man. Yeah. He, they brought him over to Daredevil and made him kind of... Kingpin is primarily a Spider-Man villain, but he is Daredevil's primary villain, which is... It, it sounds like those two sentences can't work together, but they do. Sure. It's... Yeah. He, he, I think he's one of those characters that's shared by studios, too. Yes. I think Sony and first Fox, now Disney, mm-hmm. have the rights to him. Yes, I would love Vincent D'Onofrio to encounter Spider-Man. Asking. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Time to get into some MacGuffins. Who are we starting with? We'll start with Chris. Chris, what do you give Spider-Man Far From Home? I give it 8.5 fake funerals. Well, the funeral was real because I thought she was really dead out of 10. <laughs> uh, I am going to give it a very similar rating, although this was hard. I was, it w- If I was willing to go this granular, this would probably be my... 8.75 but i'm gonna give it <laughs> 8.5 avengers level threats out of 10 i loved this movie <laughs> eight and a half is so many fake funerals <laughs> <laughs> the half one was when they figured out wait a minute this <laughs> casket's empty <laughs> tom sawyer you tricked us <laughs> i weirdly have the lowest rating out of everybody with an eight i gave it eight tiny spoons out of 10 and I give it nine Daily Bugle Infowars out of ten. And means I've rated it the highest. And also, it has slid and bumped out Winter Soldier for the last spot in my top five. Wow. Well, how did he do? I know. Wow. It's because you saw it with That's your That's what bro. it was. <laughs> I'm really surprised by it. Um, any fun placements for you guys, or are they all about where you would expect it's just outside my you know i I, we talked last episode i have kind of those big six um it's just outside those it's like a hair behind guardians of the galaxy um to being in contention for my top tier of films i have a good handful of eights um it fell after civil war but before iron man um i don't know i've I felt weird with with rating this one because I feel like I like Civil War a lot and both Spider-Man movies in the MCU are really good and really fun, but I'm not sure that I like Far From Home more than Civil War. It might, Those two might be another one of those pairs where I can just flop them at any given moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Depends on how I'm feeling because Civil War is much more serious. Mm-hmm. It's a right in the 10 spot for me right after civil war right before homecoming actually wow so i've clustered up spider-man there 
Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required. Join us next week as we start our off-the-rails journey. I I shouldn't say next week, but next episode as we start our (laughs) off-the-rails. I said next week in the description of the last episode, and then I felt bad about (laughs) it when when that didn't happen. So sorry, folks who read the description and get their hopes up. guys having lives how dare we i I even said to myself don't put a time limit on it and i was like no we've already got plans to record it's gonna be great join (laughs) us next episode as we start our our journey going off the rails with spider-man into the spider-verse uh which afterwards we will start tackling the daredevil netflix series so get ready lots of fun content to come but as always reach out to us on all sorts of social media you can find us on twitter at assemblycast you can send us an email it's assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com let us know what you're thinking what you want to see any more content that you would like us to cover i think that's going to do it for the show though i think it's time to wrap it up phil kid 3 gator sax 2010 d underscore peaches abcd eduardo one all on twitter It's going to do it for myself, for Robbie, for Chris, for Peaches. We love you, 3000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Hell, Hydra. Boobly, boobly, daily bugly. Don't forget to like and subscribe.